Reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Hey, it's the 20th of February. Look at these two jabronis. It's time for Morning Combat. Hi, everyone. I'm merely one half, 50% of your hosting duo. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C. My name is Luke Thomas, joined by the king of CTE and ED. <laughs> it's, it's Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian Campbell. That was a really unfair intro. How are you doing? Yeah, if, if you were looking to hurt me, you got me, brother. Congratulations. Oh, but, uh, you know... <laughs> capital the 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 king of ct don't ever forget it i'm back baby i'm back with a bang tui and uh you know hey a weird weekend of fights but a fun one luke okay i i flew home from topeka had a chill couple days i'm ready to come out swinging right now okay when you left topeka and you got back to connecticut how happy were you to have indoor plumbing again yeah yeah i mean topeka was luke who we thought they were at the end of the day okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's leave it at that all right dude bill yeah. bill hicks bill hicks in the 80s was like bro or in the 90s i guess was kind of like let's be real like there's serious pockets of humanity in the united states it's really quite true but yeah so shouts to all the mk listeners in topeka you've got nothing else to do uh you but know what you're my right. favorite my favorite bill hicks comedy special is luke the one that Dennis Leary stole? Yeah, No Cure for Cancer by Dennis Leary, 1991. Absolutely. No I mean, he really did. If you go watch old Bill, I have a bunch of Bill Hicks books, too. If you actually go watch Bill Hicks and he put the microphone in his throat, it's like, oh, my God, buddy. You really just took that, didn't you? All right. It's a great bit. I mean, it's, if you're going to steal a bit, that's a good one. But, okay, yeah. neither here nor there. Well, I mean, what uh, is you're right, B for Sutherland? Yeah, I mean, come on. Come on, uh, D- Dennis Leary. That was my favorite guy. That was my guy, Luke. And now you tell me that it's like fifth grade Santa Claus all over again, you know? Dennis Leary was your guy? It was my guy with a bullet, dude. That yeah. was my comedian, okay? You're a baseball glove. Get on that truck. I mean, yeah. that's just a great line. That's just a great line. <laughs> Next stop, uh, Vietnam. Surprise the fuck out of him. Yeah, I don't know if that's culturally sensitive. Yeah, I mean, you, may, you could probably could have skipped that one, but you know, you're know, you the guy who karate chops the air, so what can we expect? Hey, nice Grogu uh, coffee mug there. Anyway, we've got a lot to get to today. To your point, there wasn't anything, there wasn't one standout enormous event, but there was a lot of little pieces that together actually made a pretty interesting combat sports weekend. So thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Obviously, hit subscribe if you're new here. And if you're listening on the podcasts, leave us a nice review on whatever platform that may be. We're going to get to, let's see, I'm sure you're going to have some showboxing highlights and have you seen this shit, but obviously we're going to get to Aaron Blanchfield's big win over Jessica Andrade, some BKFC, some boxing news, and a final, what I hope is anyway, a final, final bow on UFC 284. Uh, BC. I mean, how many more bows can we tie for that bullshit, Luke? Okay. Well, they just keep going, but I think this is probably, at least for now, the final one. So we'll see. Uh, but BC, want to remind folks, Showtime is the label that pays. Showtime.com. You can get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. And I'm told, BC, and you were told as well, if I'm not mistaken, there is a sale on the merch site today what is the story yeah there? so not only can you be wearing this fine you know t-shirt this great hat right here at morningcombat.store but remember that uk merch that our boy uh big ray rj dunkel favor made for us in advance of our mk in the uk live show yeah all that stuff must go we're talking about mk gta we're talking about the union jack flag brother all that stuff is discounted and priced to sell right now morningcombat.store so 
If you wished you were at the live show, if you were, but you didn't catch any of Oprah's flying gifts to the crowd, get on our merch site right now, okay? Tell them BC sent you. Uh, No codes necessary, I don't believe, Luke. This stuff must go right now, okay? So there you have it. Go get it. Go get it, everyone. Please do. Yeah. Uh, BC, are you are you doing all right? Otherwise, you ready to get this going? Yeah, I met a bunch of MK fans randomly in the wild, Luke. Um, I got there was a guy in San Antonio who was selling soap at the bottom of the elevator. Check out this cool Fight Club soap I got that he made himself. Big MK fan. He hooked me up. Big big shout out to that guy now, right there. I I, I I legit think we forgot to include it in the rundown. It's something we've talked about doing, but I believe we may have missed it. Mikey, if you're, and I know he is watching, can you send us the updated results for OK Bet? Because I believe, BC, I don't know how you did. I know for a I fact went one and I four, went four Luke. for five. You went four and one. I went one and four. And I know, you know, oh, should we panic? Am I going to have to buy <laughs> tickets to the cancel Culture Corpse right now? Nope, Luke. <laughs> nope. It's early. This is a game of runs, okay? It's early, <laughs> all right? It's very early here. BC, I think you might be bad at this. I mean, I'm not. Here's the here's the here's the here's the sad truth of it. I'm not good at it. You must be horrendous. Well, at Well, you this. know, I I'm emotional, Luke, when it comes to betting. You know, and 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 I take chances, and I tried to play it safe this week, and you saw what happened. One and four out the door. So I'm going to come back with a new strategy this Friday for OK Bet. What do we have this weekend? We got what? Like, uh, we got Krilov. Tyson Fury's Jake Krilov. Paul's back. I think Krilov is fighting Ryan Spann this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a Showtime Championship boxing card. So I'm going to be doing my due also diligence. Also, the rematch between Yuroslav Amoslav and, uh, <laughs> in your famous description, as well as uh, Logan Storley. For they're going to unify the welterweight titles in Bellator. That's actually a really good one. Yeah, that's a great fight. So I'm going to make it back this weekend. You're going to see, okay? But BC is 5-14, and 14, according to Mikey Mormal, our, our intrepid producer. And I'm sure Luke is much better than that. Yeah, not, I mean, I'm not again. I'm not great at this. I'm thirteen. Thirteen and six, and six is Luke. Yeah. Thirteen and six. Okay, I'm what four and f- oh boy. Okay, I got yeah. some ground to make up, Luke. Okay, yeah. so you're the Washington saying, Commanders, and I'm the Kansas City. Well, not even. I'm really more like the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, BC, let's get this party started if we can. Here, we'll yeah. start with UFC, where we customarily do number one. BC, it. I mean, this was. I, I thought she was going to get it done. I did not know she was going to look this great doing it. Aaron Blanchfield defeats Jessica Andrade via second round submission. Lots of things we got to get to on this one, BC. So first things first, how big of a victory is this? It's massive. It really is. 23 years old, a division that used to be, hey, you know, you're two good wins away from getting a title shot. Now that division's filling up. I mean, let's not let's not sleep on that point. This is starting to become a competitive, uh, well-rounded division. And what Aaron Blanchfield did against one of the most dangerous customers in any weight class on the women's side was walk directly into the storm, take what Andrade had to offer, wear it, right? Shake it off and stand in and deliver her striking to frustrate the more the more raw and limited opponent. But one, Luke, I felt like, which fueled my prediction, that if this fight had gone three, four, five rounds, look, Andrade never gets tired, never stops trying to win, is always dangerous. The fact that Blanchfield, at 23, had the skills, mindset, you know, the confidence, all that stuff that goes with that, to essentially say, I've got someone dangerous in front of me, so I'm going to take her out before she does the same to me. And you add in the speed of that trip takedown to going into side mount to, to taking the back, you know, and getting that choke in before the, 
before her legs had even, you know, formed the body triangle around her waist, before the hooks were in, Luke, if you were an educated MMA observer, you would use that statement. Um, this is as mature as it gets. And what's crazy is when we had Aaron Blanchfield on the Room Service Diaries couch, we were openly, to her face, basically saying, you are so confident, so nonchalant, that it's almost as if, you know, there's a level of naivety here that, you, that you're going to get, you're going to find out the hardest way possible. No, Luke, it was us who found out. And, you know, this isn't, this isn't an apples to oranges comparison, but one of my favorite calls in boxing history was when Manny Pacquiao moved up and weighed and, and knocked out Miguel Cotto in the 12th round. And, you know, mm. the four, first four rounds of that fight were hellacious, but, but Pacquiao put it on him and Larry Merchant afterwards said, you know, we knew Pacquiao was great. He's better than we thought, it turns out. And, you know, we knew Aaron Blanchfield was very good. But, Luke, it turns out she's even better than, than than we imagined coming in. And I think even with you having predicted her to win, is it possible you could have predicted it going exactly the way it did? Her no. absorbing hellacious bombs early but staying the course, picking apart Andrade, frustrating her, and then taking her down and finishing her. Uh, we have We have a star on our hands. And she's 23 years old from Elmwood Park, New Jersey. Welcome, Aaron Blanchfield. Dude, I got to tell you, I, and I, I texted this to you. You can tell the audience if I'm lying or not. I texted it to you. Dude, I loved this win from Aaron Blanchfield. Not merely because of its significance, right? Beating someone who was a former champion, frankly, rather thoroughly. I mean, it was back and forth on the feet, certainly at points in the first round. But in general, this was, I won't call it one-way traffic, but this was decisive, right? This was decisive. But here's what I love about this fight. Dude, she went right to center and put a jab right in Andrade's face from the word go. No glove touch. And then when she took her down, took her down with authority. And what did she do? She didn't wait for the position to settle. She didn't catch her breath. She moved right into side control. And then from there, obviously, she took the back. Like, no hesitation. I'm going to get right in your face. I'm going to put a finger in your chest, at least metaphorically speaking, and I'm going to let you know exactly what time it is. She let Andrade know from the word go what kind of fight this was going to be. And Andrade is certainly not there to lay down, nor did she, right? She put it back on her a little bit, as I mentioned, in that first round. There were some things, I think, that Aaron Blanche was going to want to do differently next time against any kind of puncher. This was not a flawless performance in that sense, but the spirit of the attack that she brought to say nothing of the tools that she used and how fairly refined they looked bc she looked like an experienced fighter in there but Dude, one talk about Luke, talk about that the the footwork and the the accuracy in the boxing i didn't see that before in her previous fights on that level i did not she didn't have to show it she told us on that rsd couch it was like that and then we were like yeah you know it's i'm sure that she believes that but we just have to see proof before that's true there you go. There you go. Now, of course, she did get into trouble in a little bit of spots. She got caught with like the double right hands, uh, uh, certainly at, at points moving into them. But in general, the, the jab was great. The lateral movement was great. She was turning Jessica. That was great. All of that was great. And it, it wasn't anything super flashy, just good timing, good distance, good setups, um, and obviously some pretty decent pop herself. She was put. She was stinging Jessica with some of those shots. But then, you know, to mix it up and to show, we already knew she was a ground threat. My Lord, she is a very lethal, quick, and decisive ground threat when she wants to be. But I just want to make everyone let, I want, I want, I want everyone to know, she faced a former champion who is probably the most physical fighter maybe in all of women's MMA. I mean, that's that's not the craziest thing to say. And 
got right in her face from the word go. No hesitation. She might have had fear, but she didn't act like it. People talk about what athletic courage looks like. Yeah. It looks like that. Well, Luke, I think the most important part about that, because she got tagged a bit. I mean, you mentioned it, but particularly after she landed that first jab to open round one, she got hit with a right cross that was, you know, the kind of the kind of punch that Andrade changes the tenor of the fights with. And it didn't change a thing. So Blanchfield, you heard the comment afterwards about how hard Andrade hits and, you know, in the future, she doesn't want to get hit like that. But her ability to not sell the pain or anything that goes with Jessica Andrade standing in front of you and loading up was the key part. Cause I think the second biggest punch she got hit with was the one in the second round right before she got the trip takedown. So maybe that was sort of the onus she felt in that, in that sequence that like, I can't let her get any more of these. Cause you know, it's going to, it's going to put me in a bad spot, but look to not even sell an ounce of what those punches were doing, what they could do, what the buildup of fear is like when you when you finally face a big time puncher and you go, oh, okay, this is what can happen, dude. Like, how many fighters would have altered their game plan? Would have had a tell? Would have shown some type of weakness that Andrade could jump on, dude? Blanchfield shut those doors down in her demeanor and how she followed up with strikes. That did you see that one sequence at the end of the first round where she frustrated Andrade so much by darting in and out using footwork and angles? Then Andrade started going into full-on berserker mode, which is the mode she entered in when Zhang Weili knocked her out to win the title in China a few years ago. Like, she completely bamboozled that, you know, one of the greatest fighters in women's history who is a knockout threat across three divisions, a former champion, a former title challenger at multiple weight classes. And, you know, end of the day, like you said, not completely one-sided, but the ease, the freaking ease that she went from zero to finish uh, like when we, even even after the dominations of Miranda Maverick of of Molly Meatball, you know the win against Aldrich in between, dude, there are levels to this. So when we got Aaron on the couch and she's like, "Yeah, Valentina, bring her on," <laughs> you know, I I'm not sitting. I wasn't sitting here saying, you know, does Aaron not have the skills? But how does a 23 year old girl who like took you know who grew up taking like recreational Taekwondo, how do you just come into this level, this stage? And just walk in like like it doesn't bother you. Luke, like, it, you know, intangible-wise, toughness, the way she's wired, Aaron Blanchfield is different. And I can't believe, you know, just a couple months later after we sat down with her, if she's going to fight Valentina Shevchenko next, which which is, you know, a nice spinoff debate we can have in terms of who's next in this division and what this win actually means, I think a lot of us are going to be giving her a chance. And even after the Meatball Molly domination, would you have said that, Luke? Would you have said that she has a chance at upsetting Valentina Shevchenko and being the champion. I know I needed this performance, but even with this performance, I can't believe that we're here. Yeah, I would have I would have said that the, she had a, I would have said she had a chance, just not a not a, not a great one. And now I put up a poll, and these are unscientific to be very clear, but I put up a poll on Twitter yesterday. It's been up for about 12 hours, maybe even more than that, maybe even maybe closer to 13 or 14. I, I I don't know the math, but a while at this point. And it's split at I mean, just here's what I wrote. Aaron Blanchfield will be the one to take the UFC flyweight title from Valentina Shevchenko. That's the statement, right? Do you think that's a true statement or a false statement? It's roughly 50-50, but with a slight, ever so slight lead for 50.7 to 49.3 for that being a false statement for the people who uh, who 
took my poll, but still the fan base is pretty evenly split, BC. So let me just ask you, let's say that they obviously the Grasso fight is next for Shevchenko. What chance do you give Grasso? Do you give Blanchfield a better one? And ultimately, like how real of a threat is Blanchfield to Shevchenko? I give her a better chance than Alexa Grasso. And that comes down to styles. It all, you know, Grasso's, you know, she's competent on the ground, but I think her boxing is is her calling card and her ability to stand in there. The problem with somebody like Shevchenko is she's just too, she's just too perfect as a counter striker in terms of positioning, in terms of uh, accuracy. I mean, everything that comes into that, she's scientific. But obviously, the Tyler Santos fight opened up our eyes and, you know, doubled down on what we learned in the Jennifer Maya fight, which is that Valentina can be human against the right style. Well, against Tyler Santos, we straight up had a scoring debate over whether Valentina should have still been the champion and whether they should have ran back an immediate rematch. So, Luke, yeah, I give Aaron Blanchfield because if there's any if there's any hole in Valentina's game, or her hole would be the wrong word, I guess it would be more of, you know, where are there areas where she's a little bit more human than she's not? Um, I wouldn't say outright her wrestling because look at what she did against Jessica Andrade. I mean, that, that was eye-opening the level of domination where she purposely took Jessica down at will and then just, I mean, she crucifixed her. It was dominant. But you're not going to do that to Aaron Blanchfield. And what kind of success can Blanchfield have in the grappling department against the great champion? Um, the fact that we now know that Aaron is not likely to break mentally. And there are levels to breaking mentally, by the way, Luke. There are, you know, oh, crap, I'm getting dominated. Let me go into fight or flight. Either I'm going to just try to survive or I'm going to force myself into getting knocked out. You know, there, there's different levels to that. But, you know, Aaron Blanchfield can carry out a game plan. She's confident. She doesn't waver in the face of adversity. So is she a legitimate threat for this world title no matter who has it next? 100%. She is kind of, you know, and there's still time for Macy Barber, by the way. So I don't mean to be, say this, but she's kind of fulfilling the promise that Macy Barber tried to show when she arrived in this division and said, I'm going to be the youngest UFC champion. I'm going to beat John Jones's record. And look, she's had a couple setbacks to her credit. She's worked it back around, but she's not at the level that Aaron Blanchfield is at right now, Luke. So this is, you know, a prospect that talked a big game that's walking right into the title picture. Now, my question on the, on the rollback to you is will she get what she told Paul Felder afterwards that she wants, the winner of Shevchenko versus Grasso, when you consider two things, Luke? One, Tyler Santos probably deserved that, that title rematch, if you were really being fair. And two, Manon Ferro is coming on and is, is what, number one ranked here. So what are we doing moving forward here? How does the future of this play out? I think they'd be foolish to give Fioro a title shot over her, even if, we can grant that Fioro has. I, I, I don't actually. I'm not even sure that's true. I'm not sure how they compare in terms of the number of ranked wins or even total fights in the division at this point. I, she might have more. I'd have to double check. I don't know. But and certainly fostering the French market is not a idle consideration. Something you would really want to do, which they've done to an extent. Obviously, in many ways, not limited to bringing Gone back to a show with their debut in Paris. All I'm saying is. You you can do. There's just not really a doubt about who is the best person in this division right now, other than Valentina Shevchenko. Fioro is further along, I suppose, in the rankings or whatever it is right now. But she doesn't pose nearly the threat to Shevchenko that uh, that what we saw out, uh, out of Aaron Blanchfield on Saturday. Not even not even in the same ballpark. Grasso's already got her shot. It'll happen here actually relatively quickly. So we'll get some kind of answer there. I think Grasso will make it competitive, but ultimately I just don't know what she has that's better than the champ. And that's really what you have to ask yourself. What does this other person have 
that is better than the champ, that they can lord that over the champ. And I don't know if Blanchfield is exactly a better striker than Shevchenko. I don't think that she is. But I think she will make it at least at times competitive. And I do think, and this is the key, she's going to be able to find her way into the takedown. And I think she's probably far better on the ground, or at least certainly better in general on the ground. Um, And that, to me, makes it just a much more exciting and intriguing fight. I think for those reasons, and what she was able to do against Andrade, she's going to skip the line probably probably easily. I I think she's going to be next here. And I, I, I think her chance to beat Shevchenko is as live as as it's ever been yeah. for anyone in her title reign. Look, if they go Tyler Santos versus Fiero, that's a great fight as well. Obviously, we're all excited that Tatiana Suarez is coming on. There's some younger fighters who are still one or two wins away, like a King Casey O'Neill, Macy Barber that I mentioned, Tracy Cortez is on a run. I mean, look, suddenly this division is kind of fun. Kind of fun right now. And, I, and I'm into that. So... Uh, I'm curious because Blanchfield making this leap now gets us excited about a title fight. You know, if Valentina keeps the belt against Alexa Grasso, do you think Valentina is slipping or do you think that was just look, you, you know, you're going to, you're going to try to defend the belt every three, four months. Like Valentina's trying to do or every five, six, you're going to, you're going to catch some, some style matchups, some t- tough outings. How do you reconcile the performance Valentina had against Tyler Santos in light of the domination she had before that and try to figure out exactly where the champion is right now. Dude, I just think she's coming to the end of her prime. Let me give you the exact age of Valentina Shevchenko so I don't say anything uh, super crazy here. So Valentina Shevchenko, according to the internet, is 34. Um, She takes great care of herself. I think she'll actually have a fairly long end of her prime, relatively speaking, and then even post-prime, whenever that happens, I think she'll still be pretty good even if she decides to compete. I think she's kind. She's probably competing for a long time. I think she's kind of getting at the be somewhere initiating the uh, the last stage of her prime. Which means, listen to what I'm saying. She's still in it. She is still in that 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 portion of it. But I think she's at the very. She's coming down off the peak. And obviously, someone like Blanchfield is just rocketing up there. And it's, it's all life is all about timing, right? Maybe maybe Shevchenko at her absolute very best. Um and and she have, and 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 Blanchfield at her very best. Who who knows what a, a fight like that would look like? But you 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 fight them at the time in which you fight them and at the stage in which they are at and their career and their physical health and their mental wherewithal and everything else. The, 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 these are the real ingredients about what makes a fight. And I just feel like again, am, am I am I boldly predicting Blanchfield beats her? It's hard to pick very confidently against Shevchenko. She's just too well rounded and too defensively sound. You especially in a five-round contest too, right? But you see, like a three-round contest, Shevchenko actually can be beaten because you can take a round or two from her um, in various places, right? Can, a fight can be up and down with her, but over the course of a five-rounder, that's less true. So it's just hard for me to predict that she can do that. But but when you just look at the contenders and you say, what are the things that they have right now that gives you a reason to believe they can lord that over Shevchenko for enough time to either get their hand raised or put her away. You just don't see that with most of these contenders. Tatiana Suarez is sitting at the back end of the dark horse contendership queue. We have to see what happens with her. But right now, Blanchfield already shows you something that makes you believe um, there's, there's good reason to believe she can actually implement that in a successful way over the champion for that reason alone push her to the front and by the way she wants all the smoke anyway if you give her somebody who's like number five in the division bc she's gonna run over them like who do you think she's gonna not just she's gonna beat the other contenders at the stage give her the champion Uh, well said luke well said i do have 
if I was on Team Blanchfield getting the title next, I would fear the marketing potential of Firo fighting for a belt in Paris if that was something they wanted to work out in terms of timing. But I agree with you overall. And, you know, how old does it make you feel, Luke, that uh, when Aaron Blanchfield was born, I was a 21-year-old college junior who had just decided to drop out? And major in bedpan technology? Yeah, so uh yeah you know. dude remember she didn't even not only could she not name a member of the wu-tang clan she didn't know who they were <laughs> yeah the, the like, new generation is, is now like, okay, okay. <laughs> all right it's now it's her the new generation is now luke you're old deal with it okay yep uh, no i accept it i accept it all right uh let's talk about the rest of that card point number two here or topic number two so ufc vegas 69 was this is my favorite bc i just want to point something out Everyone always talks about, oh, it's the cards everyone says are not going to be good. Those are the best. Nope. Turns out that the card that we thought was going to suck, sucked all the Ds. I just want to point that out. We were exactly right. We told you it was going to happen, and it did happen. So please, let's put to bed this promoter bullshit that they get you to repeat because they think you're a parrot. That, oh, it's the one everybody sleeps on. Nope. Nope. We slept on it for a good reason, and we were right. Okay. That being said, BC... By the way, I just want to point out, we're now about to ask a question about an alt, like, is the is William Knight's performance the worst in UFC history? Now, Dude. if you get knocked out in seven seconds, I suppose that is worse because yeah. you did, like, truly less than nothing. But in terms of anything that went to a decision, I'm not doing a bit, and I'm not trying to beat up on the guy. It's just a reality. That performance by William Knight, BC, for one that went the distance, is one of the worst in UFC history. It just well, is. dude, our, our guy's jacked, first of all. I know I know this is not his first UFC fight, but uh, you know, I see Manchester, Connecticut. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's go, let's let's get another let's get fitted for another member of the CT royal family, Luke. Okay, me as the king, Glover as the, you know, as the uh, whatever he wants to be. Then of course, Luke, there's you know, apathy, and you know, Dana was born in Manchester, Connecticut, too. But William Knight had uh a bizarre one, a bizarre night. Uh, you know, he had his lead leg was effed up early, but he committed to a very comical style to protect it the rest of the way. Um, this is three straight losses, Luke. Do you think he he's got a one way ticket out of the UFC now? Because uh, I don't know how you justify any part of that except for dude, dude knows where the gym is, and you know, congratulations, he's looking good, Luke. Looking good. He, in that uh, listen, he looks like he's strong as balls. From everything we know, he's strong as balls. I'm not wishing on him unemployment, but like, you know, listen, we beat up on the UFC a lot and we criticize them a lot. They're, you know, the 800 pound gorilla in the room. And so for that reason, they're going to catch a lot of strays. But we should also just be honest when like they get messed with. If you're the promoter, you are well within your right to release someone when they turn in a performance like this to say nothing of the fact that there's this is the is it the third consecutive loss. Is that what you said? Yeah, third straight. Yeah, he's been. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're well within their rights to let him go. Again, I don't wish that upon him. I don't think that's something that, like, it doesn't bring me joy to say. But you just, you, this is this is the highest level of prize fighting. This is that performance, and I'm not saying anything he doesn't know. That performance is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Um, so that was really weird. It almost made me feel like he was like, I, mean, I don't think it was intentional. But, like, how do you do that for that long without it being intentional? Something has to be like, really off with you and if that's well, the case bc you shouldn't be fighting you should figure out what's going on internally to get right so something bad doesn't yeah. really happen i mean we had the beverly hills ninja in the co-main event despite having lost three of four all by stoppage coming in so luke i would say that outside of the main event 
And outside of the spirited brawl that Alexander Hernandez and the great veteran Jim Miller put on, um, this entire card gets the William Knight treatment from me. I just don't, I didn't understand it and it wasn't entertaining. So there you go. Uh, very quickly, any thoughts on Alexander Hernandez beating Jim Miller? Uh, it was fun to watch. Uh, Hernandez still gets hit a lot. I get criticized often by my friends on the CBS Sports uh, Combat editorial team for once making the statement that Hernandez has some legitimate upper bound potential here in this division, Luke. Um, okay. You know, I've, I've made bad picks before. Follow me on OK Bet. All right. But, you know, he got the job done. I picked him to win. That was all good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what do you want me to say about this UFC fight night card, Luke? It's It, it sucked. Well, I'll say this. This was one of the better wins of Hernandez's career. Now, obviously, if you go back to his two-fight debut against OAM and then Benil Dariush, yeah, that's a lot better. He just, he just one-punched Benil Dariush. That's amazing. But since then, it's been, to put it lightly, up and down. This was the – and I, he took this one on short notice – for him to take it on short notice, go back to 155, which I do think is the better weight class for him, no matter what he says, and to jab Jim Miller's face for three rounds, beat him up, put decent footwork, actually good footwork together, not make a ton of mistakes, and even when mistakes were made, not compounding them with other mistakes, like just limiting the damage to what it was, getting out of bad spots like that uh, rear naked choke attempt in the third. I thought this was a really nice performance from Alexander Hernandez. I thought I think he deserves some credit for... Dude, I, I I tell you what, man, I lost a lot of confidence in him after that Billy Q performance. This was yeah. majorly restorative to me. Well, I mean, in that Billy Q fight, he was having big moments. I mean, it was a shootout, Luke, and he I know, and but he, got, he faded so bad. He didn't fade yeah. here. No, and for him to get out of this choke at the end showed the the fighting spirit in him. I, I thought he deserved the win. It's a good win for Alexander Hernandez, but you know, it was also closer maybe than it should have been, even with respect for, for you know, what Jim Miller has accomplished. And he's a tough out for anybody in the middle of the pack here. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the card sucked, okay? Okay, last thing I'm going to say, one of the ones I did pick, despite doing, like, I usually don't do any, like, I try not to do a pick without some measure of tape study, but sometimes it does happen. The one pick I got the most right on a okay bet was I picked, I think, Felipe Lins to stop uh, OSP, or at least that one to end in the stoppage pretty quickly, and it did. Yeah. But even then, dude, it ended much quicker than even I thought it was going to. Didn't even go a minute. Felipe Lins just punches. I think he punched out OSP's lights, and he couldn't last very long yeah. at all. It was a disaster. BC, you we look at his record of late. It's just been a lot of not great. Uh, yeah, I was t- playing... 39 years of age. Time to retire? I, I think it is, and I was playing football games in terms of the betting, you know, I've, I've bet I've bet against OSP so many times only to see him knock people out and surprise you. This wasn't one of those moments. We can see the finish coming up on have you seen this shit, but yeah, Luke, it's the end of the line. He's already done the heavyweight experiment. Big win, you know, good, good, good stoppage for Felipe Lins. It was early. He gets a big name on his resume, but you know, uh, I guess that was the bright spot of the, uh, of the preliminary cards, unless you like, to be fair, the, the fight that got fight of the night honors was the preliminary featured bout between Nazim Sadikov and Evan Elder. And I don't know if you saw Evan Elder's celebration afterwards when he got the bonus and he was crying in the hotel room and it was, you know, it was, a, it was a nice moment there. He got stopped on cuts in the third round, but, um, you know, the fact that you're con- continuously trying to get me to break down this card against my own will, Luke, you know, it's, 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 it's going to cause a divide between us. I mean, I did put these questions in the rundown, which you did hand approve. I just want to be very clear I did, about that. I did, okay. I did, Luke, I did. All right, okay. with that in mind, BC, let's actually uh, move over to boxing if we can. Topic number three, 
This was an interesting one. So Lee Wood, who had that amazing win where he knocked Mick Conlon out of the ring after Mick Conlon early put it on him, he was back in action this weekend. Ben Davison, the former trainer for Tyson Fury, in his corner. And Lee Wood and Mauricio Lada were having a great fight, BC. Wouldn't you agree? In fact, um, Lee Wood was down at times early and I think battled back a lot and had great a great run through the course of this fight. I believe it was up on the judges' scorecards when the towel was thrown, and that's just it. He gets dropped badly, BC, very badly. I wonder if we have the highlights or at least pictures of it. I'd love to see if we can show it. It was a horrible, horrible punch that put him down, and he looked to be in dire straits. He did get up, kind of answered the bell, but then Ben Davison threw the towel. Fight over Mauricio Lara wins. There was a lot of debate inside boxing yeah. about whether or not Ben Davison, who, by the way, doesn't have an elite prize fighting background himself as a competitor, certainly as a trainer he does, but as a competitor he does not, throws this towel. And so the question was, was it too early? Lee Wood gets on Twitter yesterday and says, I agree with it, even though in real time he was incensed at the idea of the fight being stopped. Having gone back and looked at it, BC, was Ben Davison right to throw the towel? I mean, look, you always want to lean in this dangerous sport on the side of caution. And if a trainer is knowing his fighter and pulling him early, would you rather have that than the opposite? Think, you know, Raquel Pennington against Amanda Nunes and the and the big debate that came out of that. Yeah. So if this is him knowing his fighter, then I get it. But the situation kind of does matter. This was a title fight. It was a back and forth war between two punchers. You mentioned it, Wood got bo- rocked early, got hit with bombs, but put together a nice three, four, five round run there where he was landing the more telling blows. He had a cut over his left eye from an accidental headbutt. But when he got dropped, it was a rocket left hook. There's no question about it. An absolute kind of finisher type of punch. Wood did get right back up, got on his feet, beat the 10 count. Did he look a little bit weary? Yes. But here's where, in some cases, the scenario does matter. This was round seven of a 12-round championship fight. Wood was up on the scorecards, and there was 10 seconds to go in the round. So could Lara have jumped in and, and you know, badly finished Wood off? Yes, it's possible. It's just as possible that Wood could have held, gotten to the end of the round, got the one-minute break in between, got revived, and came back out. Is that, you know, dangerous in the long run? Well, yeah, but that's prize fighting right here. This is a world title bout, you know, WBA featherweight title on the line here at featherweight. A spirited battle between the two. Did it feel premature in the moment? Absolutely. As his fighter was summoned to restart, Davison fired the towel, hit the referee right in the chest, and that was the end of it. Um, A fight this good... A fight this big for Wood, who had upset Conlon, and we know Josh Warrington's in this picture as a former champion who got upset by by Lara, and we know there's a lot of big options here. And let's give credit to Eddie Hearn and the zone. You know, they made this fight feel a lot bigger than it was in the promotion and also in terms of watching it. It was a fun-ass fight. I did feel like it was too early, but if this was Ben Davison who was a foot and a half away from his fighter when he got dropped, seeing something protecting him for the future... You can't overly criticize that. You really just can't. But yeah, Luke, it felt like he had more to give. The fight was in the balance. It was a big fight, a fun one. Man, that was tough for me to see Lee Wood get that, even if it was more likely than not, percentage-wise, that he wasn't going to win that fight. And I think he was up 59-55 on all three judges' scorecards at the time of the stoppage. Here's my only thing, BC, and I, I don't know if this is true. I don't know if they'll ever this will ever be true. I'm literally just inventing something 
But it makes me wonder, if you just look at the circumstances of the seventh, both in terms of where Wood was in the fight and being ahead at that point, um, as well as, to your point, about 10 seconds left being in the round, then yeah, like the stoppage does feel like uh, a little paternalistic. I do wonder about whether or not Wood had been hurt in training previously. In other words, like he gets dropped with this huge punch, and we can both agree it was a it was it, 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 it honestly BC. I don't know if you agree with this. It looked to me like the punch flat put him out, and then him hit his head hitting the canvas may have just woken him up because that was right. a hellacious punch. I wonder if he'd been knocked out in sparring previously. I wonder if he'd been hurt in training recently. And then Davison saw this and was like, nope, fuck that, dude. We're talking about real bad brain injury after this. And even though there was 10 seconds through it, like, in other words, what are the circumstances that have to be there for a guy to throw when he has 10 seconds left? One, either a bad decision or at least a, a hasty one at a bare minimum, right? Hard to call anything preserving the brain bad, but maybe hasty for the circumstances. Or he knows of something that happened previously where this was then adding on to that and he just couldn't abide by it by virtue well, of what consequences could be ahead. It was in the corner where he was standing. So to the point you made, if you watched his fighter get rocked and then kind of hit his head and bounce back into it, is that enough reason to save the guy? Yeah. If you want to play that, that angle, if you want to play the humanity side, the safe side, yes, it's just hard because look the round before he had rock. Lara would had landed a huge shot. And you know, this became a, a, a two-way standing war. You know I mean? It, it it still had elements of a boxing match. It wasn't rock'em, sock'em, but they were going in there to close the distance and land bombs. Title fight, I don't know. You take that risk. That's what we've done in the history of boxing. You take that risk. But to your point, to the, to the things we may not know, I mean, Davidson is some... I like Ben Davidson a lot. I think he's a good personality. I love the breakdowns that he does when he's used on television as an analyst. But to your point, Luke, he, he didn't have this big fighting career himself. He kind of got picked out of the scrum by Tyson Fury to become the the lead trainer when he was just 25 and part of the extended team. And I do really believe that he's a smart trainer, especially defensively. The work he did with Tyson in that first Deontay Wilder fight is a great example of that. But he's very young, doesn't have a long, detailed track record. I think people love to criticize him quickly in that regard. Um if you're going old school, you can criticize him in this case. And, you know, good for Lee Wood to, to get the back of his trainer afterwards and and realize he was trying to protect him. And, you know, he will fight again, Luke. You can sustain serious injury when you get back up and you're still out on your feet and you're still going to fight. No, Like, no one's going to sit here and say, you know, and debate the danger in that. It's just that that's boxing and this was a title fight. So you, you can understand both sides of the argument for sure. Uh, okay. Here's the part that does get me. So after the fight was over, there was, again, you've watched Lee Wood's initial reaction. He was not, he didn't understand it, uh, which, by the way, should also play a role in, in how much we assess, you know, the, the quality of the stoppage. But he afterwards took to social media and says he understands it and respects it and actually even appreciates it. BC, is it not impossible for you to imagine a scenario in MMA where not only does the fighter come out afterwards and defend the stoppage via towel throwing, does it with a trainer who never basically fought, uh, let's say at the UFC level at all whatsoever. Like I can't even fathom that in MMA and yet it just actually happened in boxing. Why, why is that so impossible in this sport? 
in MMA that there's that there's not a quicker trigger? Is that what you're saying? No, that it's more no, 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 no. What, the point I'm trying to make here is like it's one thing that you get a guy to come out and be like, "Wow, this is really I I respect my trainer." Even that alone is unusual in MMA. Well, we've kind of had that debate, but to have it with a trainer who basically doesn't have any of the same commensurate prize fighting experience, like just a guy who's just a coach who never really competed in any kind of way similar to this, like that, the, all of those things never exist in MMA. And I'm trying to figure out why all of those factors are true. I mean, there have been elite coaches that weren't great fighters in MMA, though, to be fair, right? Like who? Greg Jackson, I guess. Faraz um, Sahabi, was he a great fighter, Luke? I didn't. No, but he has a black belt under John Danaher. Okay. He did okay. fight a little bit. Um, I mean, I, I guess I yeah. get the spirit of the point. I thought you were asking more on a danger level, maybe because boxing we see we actually see deaths in the ring almost to an accepted level. I mean, obviously, it's, yeah. a, it's a monster tragedy each time it happens, but I'm not going to lie when people criticize boxing media afterwards for, for kind of not following up on these stories and moving on to the next fight. I think sometimes we do that to survive, Luke, as, as gnarly as that sounds, because it's so overwhelming when it happens. So from that side of it, again, if this was a, a, a trainer just knowing his fighter and not wanting to see him get badly hurt, none of us should have any issue with that. I understand that. Maybe that's why in MMA they're they're less as likely to to throw in the towel and do that. But, I mean, I don't think we ever see the towel thrown in an MMA, do we? Ever. Very rarely. It happens, but very rarely. You know, stoppages right. in the corner between rounds for sure, but not, you know, yeah. B BC, let's get to um, let's get to a little BKFC. We don't do a lot of BKFC, but they, Dude, had, they had a one. wild night. They, they had, had a wild, wild freaking so, night. So topic number four, let's go talk about BKFC Knucklemania 3. It took place, I think, in, right around Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, there's a lot to get to here. We'll go to the three biggest ones right away. BC... Diego Sanchez loses yet again, this time to Austin Trout. Now, he didn't get stopped with punches. He got stopped with cuts, but the cuts, of course, were caused from punches. He accuses Austin Trout of greasing. Let's say UBC. Is it time for Diego Sanchez to really just hang it up? Yeah, it's point? been time. It's been time. Some guys, like, you know, the, what's that saying that you see sometimes, Luke, printed on military things of, you know, all gave some, but some gave all? Like, Diego Sanchez gave all in basically every single fight he was a part of. So while other fighters were more accepting of saying, okay, it's your it's your twilight's twilight. There's a couple paydays out there for you if you want them. So go do celebrity boxing. Go do bare knuckle. Go do whatever the hell you want. I think in Diego Sanchez's case, I mean, look, one thing that I don't think he gets the credit for that he kind of should is, is, you know, like Jim Mill or Matt Brown right now, he was able to linger and be relevant for a while and actually win some fights maybe he shouldn't have and to stay around. But Luke, comparatively to other guys, I mean, he's taken an extreme amount of punishment going back to his initial prime, which was such the early days of the sport that it was more about two guys just running into each other. At some point, somebody's got to step in and say, like, not just commission shouldn't approve this, but, you know... As a whole, the fight community shouldn't approve this. You know, how much is too much before you're just going to be like, yeah, he's probably going to, it's probably going to end badly for him, but just go out there and do what you want. No, it's not about being competitive anymore. It's not about that he lasted to the fourth round until the cuts happened. And I mean, he got beat up again, Luke. You know, how, how, how far away is Diego Sanchez's situation right now from Bigfoot Silva? How far away, Luke? Um, there are some meaningful differences, but I, I see your point that it, like, there's not a huge gap. Okay, so like the fight game has to end eventually. 
whether you can spin it off into a career as a trainer, gym owner, broadcaster, or not, the fight game's got to end for everybody at some point. It's not a what's what do they always say, Luke? It's not a career. It's an opportunity, right? It's like well, that's what Dana says. That's not what everybody says. That's okay. also his way of underpaying everyone. I certainly get that. But when you look at the average for like careers, you know, and same thing in the NFL, right? What's the average NFL career? I don't, I don't know the stat offhand, but you used to hear that. Was it like two years, Luke? Three years, something like that? I mean, something like it's that. Sort yeah. of, you can only take so much. This guy's given so much to the game. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame personality. He's in the Hall of Fame for having a great fight. He's kind of a borderline Hall of Famer to begin with, just for how long he's there. I, I wish there was another way. I wish there was another career he could bounce back into because. It's not it's not fun for us to watch this, Luke. No, it's not great. Uh yeah, the answer of course is he should have retired quite some time ago. Uh you know, I don't have much to say about Austin Trout or the greasing controversy. I just at this point it's like not that I if it's true then then yeah, of course there would be a problem, but it's like I'm so uninterested in the idea of Diego Sanchez continuing to take punishment that I almost don't even care if that makes sense. Like just just end it. Uh, just stop I mean, it, sadly, dude. Luke, if if no one ends it for him, he's going to end up in power slap. He's going to end up in power slap, people. Like, this is the direction it goes. So, you know, I, I mean, I, is there, you know, what, a, is how there much? A, is there a bo- like, do you have one boxer who you feel like particularly fell off like or hung on too long? You could pick any number of them, but is a there one that really them. sticks with you? Many of our heroes, okay? James Tony, Roy Jones Jr. I mean, how many of them, Luke? To, to different degrees of of the long-term effects that they put their body through, right? Everybody's body is different for so many different reasons in your brain as well. But, I mean, those are just two that jumped off. But a mil- there's a million long, drawn-out, bad stories in boxing. There's so many stories where a guy was at once in their early peak prime a contender but then just settled in being a journeyman for the rest of their career, and they fought until they're 50 despite 25 losses. Like, that happens a lot too, Luke, and I don't know. I just It's it's like BKFC just had a great weekend. I know we're leading off with this co-main event. They just had a great weekend. Look, that I mean, you know, I finished up Friday's showbox card, went back to the hotel room. My entire timeline was viral BKFC highlights. They had a fun-ass weekend. But should we be, even be looking at Dave Feldman and company and saying, like, some guys we just shouldn't be employing anymore? Yes, I think it's time for BKFC. And, and you know, it's fine that they wanted to put two guys from Albuquerque in different sports together, you know, yeah. as sort of as like a hometown thing. Like the, the, the I get the, the promotional angle is actually pretty smart, but you just have to be you have to exercise more discretion about what what fighters you're employing and at what time in their career. Um, Luke, BC for, quickly for Austin Trout. What do you think about welterweight BKFC champion Luis Palomino calling him out? saying he wants to give him a title shot. Are you I, into that? I've said this, dude. Okay, so BKFC, everyone wants to make it all about bad news, but there's good news, too. Luis Palomino is a guy who, you know, if you watched MMA a long time ago, you would know who he is, but maybe these days you might not. Never was able to make it to the UFC because he was here uh, as an illegal uh, uh, immigrant for a time, and now he now he is obviously all that, that's gone, but uh, you know, he doesn't have to worry about it. But he couldn't get the legal status he needed to fight in the UFC, even though he was really ready for it. For him to have the second wind in his career now that his life is settled and everything is above board and where it should be, I I love it. He's he's an action fighter. He's a fan favorite for those who understand his game. And yeah, well, bring on Austin Trout. And again, we don't really exactly know how well boxers will do in bare knuckle. Uh, sure. Austin Trout doesn't give us the best answer, but he gives us yet more information about which to make an answer. I'm all in favor of it. 
Luke, my big, my have you seen this shit will include some of this, but the the one video that got failed was the John Dodson win. He had a, yet another knockout win and then did the backflip to celebrate. Uh, he's 2-0 and now. He stopped Jared Kid Gotti Grant. Um, some guys have, it seems, figured it out and made a nice adjustment here. I mean, Dodson's kind of like a guy they can build around, and, and, and I could see him winning the title in this in this bracket. Dodson is very much a guy who I think is a great signing for BKFC. He's still fast. He's going to be faster than a lot of the guys he goes up against because he was a great athlete. He always had power. I mean, from day one, I was actually, I, you may not know this, BC. So one of the first big flyweight fights that happened after the Ultimate Fighter was one that I called. It was a fight between um, John Dodson and a guy by the name of Pat Runez. Pat Runez was actually one of Demetrius Johnson's training partners for a long time out there in Washington State. And it kind of funny, it went the way that I believe the first fight with the DJ went where um, Runez got hurt bad by some of the power punching from Dodson, but then was able to storm back and win uh, a five-round decision. So, um, you know, it's a fight that Dodson lost, but it was one of my first introductions to, like, the kind of power he can offer. It was incredible. Um, in any case, dude, he still has big power. He's always had big power. He's still pretty fast. He's still pretty athletic, especially for this level of competition. He beat the guy in a minute and 41 seconds into the first round. Hard to know what not to like from John Dotson. By the way, also had a pretty good chin for a long time, too. Yeah. Bef uh, BC, before we, we continue about on to, to Greg Hardy in the main event, did you see uh, the fans asked Eric Nixick to share the uh, the the text ch exchange yeah. you had with him at the MK yes. and the UK live show? And he did. Which he I did, mean, yes. Which he what, did. A, what a team player old old Eric Nysak is, right? Yeah, I, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. You're doing skits and bits. You don't have to be. BC, let's talk about it very quickly. Uh, Greg Hardy losing very badly in the second round. 19 seconds of round two. He gets absolutely flatlined by this gentleman who looks like, I don't know what his life story is. Josh looks Watson, like he's you been mean? through some shit. Um, yeah, yeah. When you, you think, say BC? been through some shit, do you mean the, the walls of some penitentiaries or what? Maybe. I mean, this, maybe. maybe. I mean, Luke, so Hardy got knocked down and then he got knocked flat the hell out. Let's just, I mean, you know, people are coming here to see this. This was a big night for, for uh, MMA Twitter. They seem to have loved this, Luke. There was lots of people with lots of F Greg Hardy tweets that I saw. I mean, BC, is, it, is, is it over for him? Well, can we have a conversation here? Like, how much are we allowed to hold Greg Hardy's past against him? I mean, you could just not like him as a fighter or a personality, but there seemed to be a large celebration to him losing in this manner. Is it so the is, issue with Greg Hardy is, I mean, first of all, for like people who've done horrible shit in MMA, Greg Hardy certainly is like on the list, but he would, you know, he's got company, got plenty of company. Let's just be honest about that. But I think the reason that people really hold on to it is because he didn't really ever face like a ton of consequences about it. Obviously, his his life kind of spiraled in a very unfortunate direction for him. And, you know, he, whatever opportunities he had in the National Football League, he couldn't really hold on to. Although a lot of that was obviously self-imposed as well. But the point being is like in terms of like the judicial system, he never really faced any consequences. And he's never really owned up to it. He's always been like, you know, he's tried to like I definitely don't think he's doing messed up stuff now. He seems to have like at least gotten that part of his life, like day to day, I'm gonna be better about it. But in terms of atoning for the mistake, he seems rather resistant to the idea. And uh I think that's what's rubbed people the wrong way. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I, I feel like in, in a lot of his interviews, he said the right things. I also feel like he's, a, I don't know, he's a little cringe on the microphone and people add that into the mix of what they don't like about him. 
He's, you know, he's doing a boxing thing on the side. This was his first BKFC fight. Is there still gas in the tank and something with the name value where he could go on to find some level of success in some form of combat sports? Probably Luke, but uh, damn, he ran into a uh, tattooed bald-headed man and he got sent to the dark depth. So deal with that result as you may based on your own you know, moral compass. People are like putting him on trial over this. It was one fight. He got hammered out, Luke. But can we talk about this main event? Let's we talk it. about this light heavyweight title unification. It's to be fair. Let's talk BKFC for real. Outside of like Paige Van Zant parachuting in or Paulie Malignaggi against the GOAT, Artem Lobov or something weird like that. We cover this, but we tend to cover it as like uh, more on like the have you seen the shit angle of it because it is combat circus for a lot of it but I, this is where i got to give dave feldman and bkfc credit and the fighters involved the build to this light heavyweight uh unification main event between the champion lorenzo hunt the interim title holder mike richmond i mean look it was straight out of pro wrestling it grabbed my attention multiple times there was like multiple public incidents where they got in each other's face and fought and did crazy shit they had uh, to go in there and then have the fight that they did for one round in which Hunt got massively dropped and then got directly back up and within five seconds flatlined Mike Richmond. Uh, bravo to everyone involved. This main event got, you know, even separate from Diego Sanchez in that circus, this got people actually buying and tuning in because it was juicy, it was evenly matched. And we got, as far as BKFC is concerned, uh, an instant classic here. And, and, this was a, a major part of this fight card becoming so viral and must-see after the fact. I got to give them a lot of credit. And Hunt went on the microphone afterwards. He said he wants the winner of Arnold Adams versus Alan Belcher next. Uh, we know he's got an ongoing beef with Hector Lombard still. Uh, look, BKFC's doing something right here. They do something right with the with the women and the and the con- you know and the build up around the cattiness. Luke, they do cattiness well in BKFC. They did well here too. So you got to give them that credit. Dude, Dave Feldman is a talented promoter. Like, it's not that I don't think he's got some skills or that there's not viability to the product. There seems to be a lane for it. There's, it's, it's, it's meaningfully different, right? It's meaningfully different from boxing. It's meaningfully different from MMA. And, and there seems to be something that can hold uh, people uh, and their attention. And he is good at using that space. Now, he's also, you know, made some questionable calls and is not above criticism. But in general, I agree with you. I thought... I thought this event delivered. I, I did the, uh, what's the show? I can't remember any, any name anymore. The the Jed Mishu and Mike Heck, Between the Links. Oh, BTL, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, BTL. I did the show with them, and they were asking, what would you rather watch? This was like on Thursday or something. And they were like, would, would you rather watch BKFC? Or would you rather watch the, this particular UFC card? And I was like, dude, BKFC. I think that that, that was a justified call in the end. I don't think I that's think ever I, happened before. And, it's, and it happened right there. And, yeah. And, by the way, not lost on me, you going on that show with two guys I like a lot, but you returning to MMA fighting, Luke, I was happy to see that. Yeah, it's probably a one and done, if I'm just being honest. But okay. uh, but okay. I do like those guys, well, and um, they do a Let me ask show. you this, because I mentioned who Hunt called out, but I didn't add the proper uh, context to that. So, Lamar Hunt, is the he was the cruiserweight champion already. Then he won the BKFC light heavyweight championship. He just unified it here against Mike Richmond in a one-round thriller, and now he wants to move up and become the heavyweight champion against the winner of Adams and Belcher. Is Lamar Hunt having this twilight of a potential three division championship run in BKFC? Like, is that anything, Luke? It's something, right? It's pretty cool. It's something. I'm not sure what it is. I've given that less than zero thought. You're only introducing this to me for the first time. <laughs> so 
I don't know what to say. I have to think about it. But to your point, man, like they've got interesting guys. They've got interesting rivalries. Not all of it works. Some of it doesn't work. And some of it is nauseating. But a lot of it is kind of interesting. It's a mixed bag. It's not just all bad or, you know, in many cases, all good for highlights. It's a, it's a weird amalgam in there trying to, trying to figure it all out. All right, let's go to point number five here, BC. And this is what I meant about, can we please, for the love of God, Put a bow on this, please. Can we end it here? The Western Australia Combat Commission, I believe this is the relevant athletic commission in, obviously, Western Australia, a.k.a. in this particular case, um, Perth, released a report, I think just before the weekend or on Saturday itself, detailing that to their awareness, no one on the UFC 284 card broke any rules related to weight cutting or anything else. And Jeff Nowitzki got out there. He was asked about it by Brendan Fitzgerald. And he was like, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what else you want us to say. So let's recap, BC. There's been no formal complaint lodged that we're aware of. The three regulatory agencies, the promotional entity and the two regulatory agencies, have all said that, you know, here's what the best information that we have. No one's filed a formal complaint. We're not aware of any wrongdoing. There's been not a single shred of publicly presented evidence that in either forensic or otherwise that tells you what Islam Makachev did or did not do. Can we finally admit that as from what we know, there's nothing to this story? Well, the only thing we had to this story was accusations. It seemed from Dan Hooker, you know, of course, a teammate of Volkanovsky on Twitter, pictures of his arm zoomed in with a bulging vein. Okay. It sounds, it does sound a lot like the accusations triple G made to Canelo after the first fight saying you can see the track marks on his arm and stomach yet. Nobody cares. My question is a larger one because the the fuel of the of the MK fans that we love and respect to who challenge us at times and come at us was like, hey guys, like it's illegal in all of Australia. So how are you guys just being okay with this? So you just said the most relevant point of we actually don't have proof. Although I've seen some people say that Eugene Behrman says he does have proof. I don't. I can't confirm that. I don't well, know. No, if he's no, ever- no, no. Here's what I said. We don't have any publicly presented or publicly available truth in terms of what has been shown to us. There's nothing. Okay. I'm not naive to what an IV can do even beyond dehydration. In fact, it was Novitsky in the past. Who's given quotes, you know, detailed quotes about how IVs can be used to flush out the PEDs in your system in a quick manner and all that. My larger question is this though, like in terms of how much should we care or potentially villainize Mahachev is if it's legal everywhere else where the UFC jurisdicts, I'm not overly worried if it's illegal in this one country in which this champion Mahachev had to go on the road to fight the hometown guy. And in, in that regard, I'm also, you have changed me, Luke. I'm a changed man because of you. I also fully believe that almost anybody with money can beat the system and probably is at the highest elite level anyway. So I'm, to me, until I see actual proof and that can lead to some punishment even if i did have actual proof what do, how do you respond to that statement i made like can we just have universal rules on ufc shit across the board do you remember that couple of years where every broadcast anik would have to say well tonight we're in this state so we're using this state's rules based on you know downed fighter and all that shit like what from drug use and testing through actual fighting rules through scoring can we just get unified across the board no matter where the fights are taking place, that it's essentially the same. See, I disagree. Because... Okay, then why? Why? So I do agree that when the differences are slight, and then in certain cases like retrograde, like 
two hands on the mat, one hand on the mat, one hand, one knee, where it becomes like hard for the fighters to follow. And it's like a minor difference, but it could have a major implication. Yeah, that I don't like. That I think is a waste of time. But I, 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 I tend to think of MMA a little bit like tennis. You've got Wimbledon. You've got the Australian Open. You've got the, the New York Open. You have a you have a clay court. You have a <laughs> grass New York court. Open? I like that. That's well, right? that's well done. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is I don't mind that there's a ring or a cage or fight the ju- uh, judge it as a whole or judge it round by round. My only point is once you've got the round by round system, that should be the round by round system, right? In other words, those minor differences where you go state to state, those are highly annoying. But having different ways of fighting MMA based on scoring and on surface, yeah, I actually think that's pretty cool. Okay, if it was a different surface, you're talking about tennis that has actual different surfaces. If like okay, some but like, states, dude, had a, a ring canvas, is, a ring is 90 degrees with the, it's like the ropes. I mean, that's I get I mean, that. You're, you're standing seems- on something that has to have traction. But the point I'm trying to make is that's a very different way in which to fight someone in a in an octagon shaped cage. Okay, if the if the if the point of your argument is you you would like a world where where one promotion can be a ring, the other promotion or one state or one country and the other areas could be a cage and in some slight rule changes. I do think that's different than the actual spirit of what I'm saying here in regards to the medical slash testing rules. I mean, Luke, if 100 percent, which it is, this is banned in Australia. And if there ultimately is proof that Volkana that sorry, that uh, Mahachev used an IV, do you believe this should be a no contest? Do you believe this should be a him being stripped of the title? I don't. I, I don't. I would rather uh, have listen. universal rules on all of that. Uh, but I want to hear your your side of it. Because I, 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 I feel, I, I I feel this, this is a lot of angry Volkanovsky fans. I'm being really honest right. with you, Luke. I feel yeah. this is a listen, lot of angry a Volkanovsky lot of this, fans. A lot of all of this. Did, did Volkanovsky win round four or whatever? All of this, or I should say, a great deal of it is simply uh, someone's a Volkanovsky fan or they feel like he was wronged. So let me invest energy into any kind of way in which I can undermine the legitimacy of Makachev's victory. And of course, it was close. That That is a fair thing to say. It's fair to think that Volkanovsky won that under the way in which you scored it. Like we've been over that. All that's fine. But to your point, there's just a ton of protesting going on manifesting itself in ways where like pro like being unhappy with a decision should not show up. My attitude is very, very fucking simple. If he broke the rules or, or, or there is reasonable evidence to conclude that he did, or there's a reasonable evidence or, or need for an investigation, fine, do it, punish him. But every time anyone in a position of authority is asked, what's the score? Not only are they telling you they don't have any evidence, they're not even telling you that they have any reason to believe that there's evidence. They don't have shit. They don't have a formal complaint. They have nothing. No, no one has given the commission or any of these other relevant authorities anything to go on. What do you want us to do? I, I, yeah. I'm not saying Dan Hooker has no evidence. I don't know if he does. I'm not even saying Dan Hooker doesn't have reason to believe whatever it is he believes. Maybe he does. But what I'm asking MMA fans and frankly MMA media to stop doing is validating unsubstantiated claims and dragging people's fucking names through the mud that don't need to be there. It is possible that Makachev broke a rule, in which case something should be done about it. 
But it is equally plausible he has done absolutely nothing wrong. There's no evidence for it. And the due process of the kinds of things that you should be protected from have just been totally run over by accusations that media ran with without ever trying to substantiate any of them first. Even if you don't think Makachev is the most sympathetic character, somebody else will be. It's about respecting the process, BC. It's about respecting like what has actually happened. What do you have to go on to really like villainize and scrutinize someone. And if you're in the public like us, you have nothing. You have nothing to go on. Stop doing it. Okay. Simple. But let me ask you this question again. What if Behrman and company can produce something that unequivocally shows proof? Do you think you just change that to a no contest and you do sure. a rematch? Do you strip sure. them of the title? What's fair to you in that regard? Um, I don't know if I'd strip him from the title. I'd be happy to call it a no contest. I'd be, I mean, whatever penalty the commission thinks is relevant in the, that, listen, the, you have to have rules. Like I understand rules get broken because that's also the world that we live in, but you have to have rules and the rules have to be met. If you don't have that, you don't have anything. You don't, you just have nothing. So you have, you have to enforce a modicum of it, but it's like the, the commission is out there telling you, we don't even have a formal complaint. What is it you want us to do? What is it you want us to do? I, is it I, I lazy, just though? Want, I want, no one ever respects anyone's due process because they already decide that they're not sympathetic characters. That's the part to me that gets me. Is it lazy to just say what I'm ultimately saying, that USADA has made decisions that have lost my credibility on them in the larger t testing process in general, so I'm just sort of like any debate in this area feels like all semantics to me? A little. I mean, they changed these rules in 2019, making them far more lax. All the reasons that they told us they couldn't do it, apparently they now can. But, you know, this is this is the thing I keep saying to people. People think there's a Bible of anti-doping, right? We know all of this. These are the sanctified rules of it. And I'm like, dude, they're just making it up as they go. I mean, Connor is already on the ground in Vegas. I don't know why sanctified rules. They're making it up as they go. And they didn't even tell the public in 2019, well, welcome to the welcome to the disaster that you created. You don't yeah. even tell the media. You don't tell the public. It turns out you didn't tell the fighters, at least not very well. And now this all blows up into something because you didn't do shit about it at the beginning. Ever <laughs> since they moved the Jones fight from Vegas to, to to L.A. for the Gustafson rematch and just sort of like, you know, like, I mean, that that was an eye opener to me and, and how they dealt with the pulsing. And then we're not going to release the results anymore. And I yeah, I mean, in general, Luke, I just. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. You said it. It's good. It's good. I mean, you know, listen. Who who takes checks from monopolists? USADA does, right? So just understand where their bread is buttered and what their business is. Like they decided to align themselves in an industry where the athletes have the least amount of protection possible. Just, you know. <laughs> like this is people think that they're like the good guys in the room who've got it all figured out. They are zealots who are making it up as they go. Do you okay. feel in general that the Dagestan based Russian fighters are starting to get an evil empire feel from the rest of the world on how they're treated in this court of public opinion? Um, they are certainly polarizing figures in ways that surprise me. I'm often surprised at the outsized reactions that they get uh, for good or bad, or, you know, maybe they deserve, uh, you know, negative. I'm not saying the negative response by itself is bad in certain cases, but um, they, they do seem to be lightning rods. They do seem to be lightning rods for criticism. 
And because there, there's uh, a lot of people that say, how come you guys aren't mentioning that they had only 24 hours to rehydrate for this fight, not 36. Right. Have, so that was even right. harder on Mahachev who right. was cutting, you know? Right, right, right. So there's, there, there was all those factors as well. They had the much narrower way in uh, time. Uh, so, um, you know, so again, if he used, I, I don't think that that, it's a separate question of like, did using the IV change the outcome in the fight? I strongly w- would believe that's not the case. I don't think it made a difference at all for him uh, in terms of the, the outcome of the contest. But, you know, th- they might have to do it again. By the way, Volkanovsky saying uh, he'd be happy to go to Abu Dhabi, so it's his turn to get booed, which I appreciate from NBC. Yeah, it'd be good stuff. Uh, look, Volk's a real guy. He's not the one that's been pushing this as far as I know, right? I think he commented on it when he was asked by Earl Hawani in their interview, and I, you know, I'm sure he doesn't love it to the extent that it is true. Which again, we, you and I have no reason to believe that it is. But um, I don't think it really made a difference in the outcome. And again, if somebody has proof, turn this fucker in, turn him in. Yeah, it's not snitching. You gotta, you gotta obey the fucking rules here, especially in a title fight. But are I'm you, waiting for someone to do that, and they keep not doing it. So. Are you following the Helwani Tony Khan feud right now, or is that out of your jurisdiction? I did see one tweet come across. I follow Tony Khan on uh, Twitter from long ago, well, long before he ever did this. I did see he, they're beefing, huh? They are. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Ariel uh, getting caught up in the storylines here on the pro wrestling side, Luke. I see he's that. A, I see that. He's a WWE superstar at the moment. I guess so. Uh, all right, BC. With that in mind, our top five is done. Let's go to the part where they get to ask us, the audience does, uh, questions. It's time for DMs from dogs. That's right. We've got male viewers. Male and viewers. Male viewers. Male. Hee-haw. He-friggin-haw. All right, right? BC, from at, uh, we put up our posts on social every Sunday. Y'all fill it up, and then we pull from there. At dog.stone. Real talk. Why do some fighters only start trying to check kicks after they've already been hurt to the leg and body? (laughs) <laughs> Obviously, Knight was a huge example, but we also saw it to a lesser extent with Emmett against Yair. BC, what do you think? Well, to stand in there in kicking range, you're usually trying to establish early in the fight something. Your jab, your, you know, the fact that you're going to get inside and stay inside on somebody. So I think a lot of people like to no-sell the effects of that so that they don't show any tell, so they can stand there and then, you know, they get to a certain point of where it's starting to compromise them and then it's all about protection. I mean, that's sort of... That, that seems natural to me, Luke. Well, my answer was going to be a little bit different, which is that, one, um, they probably feel like they can get people to stop it sooner or later with everything else that they're doing. And the other part, too, is that, like, I don't, you know, have folks ever checked kicks? They, it fucking hurts. It yeah. hurts to check. It doesn't feel I don't want good. anything the to whole... do with that. You ever, like, slam your shin into, like, uh, the hitch on a trailer or something, Luke? You know, you, you'll be down and out for a while from that yeah, shit. Yeah, it's okay? extremely painful. I mean, you can't really do it very effectively unless you have deadened the nerves in the front of the shin for a long period of time. And, and that comes from kicking the bag. That comes from, like, actual shin work. That comes from all kinds of stuff that just takes time to deaden the nerves and harden everything in there. And if you don't do that very commonly or you've not done that over the course of your career and you check a kick do it's it, like understand like what does checking a kick do the best kinds of check kicks is they d- tell you not to just raise your leg straight up they want you to raise it at an angle and then up so that their shin catches your bone at the most painful point for them it's a pain deterrent could also be other forms of deterrent but it's in many cases a pain deterrent by having bone on bone connection to stop them from doing it that's a two-way street. Like, unless you've really worked on your shins, it's very, very painful to do that. You can and you should, 
But it's not like it's like, oh, I'll just raise my, like, oh, I raised my leg in the air, therefore he has to stop. No, it's a physical pain deterrent. And that's hard to do. It's hard to do. You think William Knight just, like, hit his limit of, and he was just like, F this, I'm surviving. Yeah, yeah. I think something's probably wrong with him in this not not in the not in the greater sense, but like com- from a competitive standpoint. I just don't think you can walk in the cage and turn in like that a performance like that. Excuse me, and yeah. then not ask questions about like what's going on at home. You know, like do you think Volkanovski should have kicked at Zuck right in the shin in the beginning of their like video game sparring sequence just to like just to show him where he is right now and you know in terms of being a real fighter. I think he should not deal with him at all. But, okay. you know, that's just me. All right. At Z.firm.esp. I said, like, is this a place in Spain? What is this? All right. With Shavkat Rachmanov fighting in two weeks against a legit contender like Jeff Neal, do you find it inevitable that he will eventually match up against Hamza in the future, possibly even for the belt? If so, who would you favor? BC, is it inevitable? And if so, I, who wins? I don't feel it's inevitable anymore because doesn't it feel like Hamza's going to be a, a middleweight? Yes. Fighter moving forward. It feels like that. All the talk about him and Whitaker, it feels like they're not going the route of forcing him to take a welterweight fight to prove that he can still make the weight, which would have probably been Colby on pay-per-view, would have been fun, and then waiting for the winner of the trilogy between Usman and Edwards. We're not going in that direction, it seems. So will Shavkat, Shavkat, if he wins, Luke, he's going to go He's going to go right to the front, and uh, he's going to be fighting for a title. No, at right now, I don't see them fighting each other. But if they did... If they fought tomorrow at 170, Luke, who's the favorite? I don't know. I feel like here's the thing. Hamzat is like the guy who has the physical tools to win just about any 170 contest. Yeah. But I feel like his aggressive style will make him make mistakes. And over the course of a five-round fight against Rachmanov, it seems like a real bad idea. Right now, when we talk about, I mean, this originate, you know, we used to do hashtag Holy Hammer, Luke. I used to have my my cupboard behind me. Uh, you know, some of that was to play up these amazing fighters coming out of Eastern Europe, Russia, Dagestan, the surrounding areas. They're just taking over the sport. But part of that, too, was about, you know, we're both super fans along with being journalists. And sometimes fighters come on our radar and they they grab us, Luke. You're a Shavkat Rachmanov guy. Is he number one? Is he the number one horse in your stable at the moment of like, favorite fighters that are coming on and, and you and you you're willing to you know invest money in their stock that that like is that your guy at the moment yeah that's of my all guy. guys I, I have extremely okay. high and i have for almost since his first fight i've been like oh okay this is a different level uh, yeah. in every way um so yeah probably he's probably my number one yeah we met his manager that time at the world mma awards look real nice guy he said he's a big mk fan very nice guy yes very nice guy all right, from at M Porter 440, BC with power slap rating struggling. I've not paid attention, I guess, but I'm not surprised to hear that. What are the odds Luke could get a tweet <laughs> to show up on that broadcast? That is BC. They don't love my tweets over at the UFC, I guess, huh? No. Imagine if you and Anthony Smith just started having back and forth discourse about who you think is going to going to win the, uh, the the slap pay per view coming up. I think yeah. you could make it on the screen, Luke. I think you could. Yeah. Our old boss, like who has you know who knows the UFC uh, brass very well, uh, just looked at me one time during the first meeting I ever had with him. He's like, "They don't like you very much." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, what do you want me to do?" Sorry. Yeah. All right. Uh, from at Nick so loud, can we get an episode where you both train BJJ? Wait, wait I'm, I'm 43. Will we fucking stop? 
or any martial art together. Boxing is also an option. BC, yeah, I'm not boxing. I, look, you. here's the deal. As long as Showtime is consistently willing to fund our do- documentaries, and I know when we did the last one, episode seven, it was 42 minutes long. We thought that might be the end of it, so let's go out with a bang. Somehow, Luke, we got approved again for donk for Doc Eight of of our you know England trip and wherever else we acquire film for. But sometimes, what makes those docs great are the things that we're on the road and we do. Imagine if you and I were on the road. Let's say we went down to like we got a home office for CBS Sports and FTL down there in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Imagine if we did that and we went over to like Kill Cliff or someone like that, and we had a a friend in the business there. Imagine like a Rashad or somebody, and you and I were able to put the stuff on like Zuck did. No. And and just kind of trade calf strikes and maybe I'll you know probably nothing a double leg couldn't figure out if I got in there with you Luke I mean how's your how's your takedown defense my takedown defense is actually one of my better parts of my game uh, all right I'd have to surprise you with some spinning shit then but I'd be willing yes. to like fool around there with the dot cams Luke are you saying that's not something you're doing that's it's not not something I'm doing no I'm not interested in that whatsoever mm. now now is that rooted in the potential for embarrassment. And mocking, or is it more rooted in like, look, I'm 40, I'm old, I'm 43, I'm old, and you know, I don't want BC effing around and hitting me with some like jumping knee or yeah, something. Yeah, I mean, you know? definitely, it's it's definitely both, right? Definitely, I know that like physically, I just cannot move at all like I once did. There's that's part of it. The other part of it is just like, I don't know, man, I've got it's weird. I almost have like a our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. I almost have like a resentful attitude, but that's not, it's weird. I don't have anything to resent, but like the problem was, man, I didn't finish my training the right way. And I didn't realize it at the time. Um, I left super banged up and just broken. And it's taken like, I've had to do physical therapy for stuff like for years. And it just left a really sour taste in my mouth at the end. Um, unfortunately it was, and I want to be clear, like, I don't view that as the, as the sum total of my experience, Like the sum total is actually quite positive, but at the end, dude, I was just like frustrated and beat up and burned out. And I walked away and I just haven't looked back and I just don't have any, my, my wife started training again. Did I tell you that? No, my wife actually started. Yeah. She actually resumed training jujitsu. She's back now. So good for her. Uh, okay. Yeah. Good she, for her. Do you think she would ever, uh, roll with Roxy Modafferi again? She probably would. She probably would. She didn't. She didn't leave um, nearly as uh, bitter and angry. <laughs> well, I have I to left. say, I'm I'm glad you know your limits at least because if we got into like a fun little documentary camera sparring match, there's without question I'm going for the heart punch on you. And if I killed you, yeah. Luke, and and took your audience in that way, 
and like uh, you know, I'd be a lot of a lot of guilt to deal with moving forward. You know what I mean? No, I mean, if, you know, I feel, I, me and Hawani like would probably took, have a really you, successful if you, show. If though. you took if you took the the viewers by killing me, I feel like by like you know feudal system Japanese rules, that's kind of fair. It's kind of okay. Yeah. Yeah, under pride scoring, I would win, Luke. There's no question about that. You know, the damage, right. you know, yeah. But I don't want to be responsible for that, Luke, because you know what I mean? Then I'd have to raise yeah. your family too, and I got my own, you know, and I'm not into that. I'm not yeah, into exactly. like. And, you're, and listen, yeah. you're never home. So, I mean, who's watching them, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. But, you know, just know, uh, Tuki, that T.O. Gringo has your back no matter what. Even T. if T. I accidentally, Gringo, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. All right, BC, I, last but not least, at Jack underscore DG underscore, which, I mean, just the worst fucking name ever. All right. Luke, I've been dying to know how many vapes you have consumed <laughs> since getting back from London. BC, would it surprise you to know that the one I took back from London, I threw in the trash. I no longer have it. So vape sticks since the London trip, my over under is five. Now, each one holds like thousands of puffs. So like, what do you mean? Okay, so how long does one last if you were going to regularly puff it? For me? Yeah. About a month. Oh shit! I see. I don't vape because I'm more of a well-adjusted citizen apparently than you. Yeah, but uh, I, I will say though that uh, okay, so you you could have you could have still been on the same the same puffer from uh, from London. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah, I threw it away. I was uh, no. I'm so, I, I didn't. I didn't mean throw it away like it was done. I meant throw it away like I oh, was done. That's great. Okay, because I will say that your your comment that you know vapors are closers. I I like. There's a lot of huts chutzpah in that chutzpah, Luke. I like that. I like that idea. And I do think you're 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 you know more nice to be around when you're vaping. But I I want to see you last long. So if you know, if, this is, yeah. uh, I'm not saying I won't vape again. I'm just not vaping right now. You know. Okay. All right. What if what if somebody put a firearm to your head and said, "What city is the next MK Live show in?" Ooh, New York. New York. Possibility. Vegas, yeah. possibility. Vegas. Du mm -hmm. Dublin, possibility. Even Florida's possible, but I just don't trust Floridians to show up. No, know? they don't care about us in Florida at all. No, no we can't We can't do that. We got to go where our, our bosses. Are. There are some people that said, hey, if you bring that to like Toronto or Montreal, you Toronto guys could. Toronto would be good, yeah. I know you've been to Canada. Have you been to Toronto? I only went for a fish concert in 2000 not when I was on tour with them, Luke. And it was, I, they have that amphitheater right on the water there. It was, it was a great Dude, time. I couldn't listen to five seconds of fish, much less an entire album, much less going to another country to go watch them. That sounds like absolutely, I'm doing a bit like that would be hell on earth for me. I saw like six shows in a week and a half. It was a great run back then, Luke. Dude, how many brain cells did you fry on that week? <laughs> wow, whippets and Twinkies for everyone. I, huh? I can't, co I can't comment on on you know that was the year two thousand, Luke. Right? You know, Aaron Blanchfield was probably just an infant, and I, you know, my moral compass was out the window back then. So yeah, yeah. All right, that's it for us on the top five. Time for BC's feces. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do that thing. Uh, what I did at yesterday was I scoured the globe, Luke, for the the good, the bad, the ugly, the in between, and all that. Combat sports and beyond. This is a weekly segment in which I take a giant dump and ask if you've seen it, Luke. Let's do that. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yep. You see, there can it is. you do a joke or a punchline without asking all right afterwards? Are you saying that that's that's a a BC trope on the level yeah, so of here's BC? I'm not, I'll be like, I'm not oh, doing BC, a bit. Uh, I'm not here, doing a bit. Here's you. Ready? Let me do an invitation. I'll be like, oh BC, I studied abroad my junior year. I did not, but let's just say I did. Yeah, yeah I studied yeah. abroad my junior year. I'd be like, 
oh, I bet you did study her. You know what I'm saying? Or, what's the word? Uh, like, all right, I bet you did study her. All right, let's get it together here. All right. I married her. Yeah. <laughs> Not doing a bit here. Uh, if I could be candid with you. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Are you oh, doing, yeah. are you doing an LT bit now? I was, I just haven't worked on it. I got to start working. Hey, yeah. true or false. You just know, yell Dean at Thomas, the staff and cry. Sorry, go ahead. You know, Dean Thomas is amazing. Did you see his Herb Dean video? Did you see his yeah. Kamaru Usman one? You know, he's amazing at Stephen A. Smith. Did you tell me that he was working on you? He told me he was workshopping a bit on me. Yeah. Love it. I don't know. I don't know if that will ever see the light of day or when it will or what, but he did tell me that. Yes. You know what I would like to see the light of day? People like Dean Thomas, Eric Nixick, guys that are great at what they do. Dan Hardy, great at what they do. We love them. They seem to like us. I'd like to see them in the MK mix a little more often. All right. I agree with that. I okay. agree with that. All right, let's look at some shit. UFC fight night in Vegas. Luke, uh, how about Aaron Blanchfield? We talked about how big this win was. Did you see the showing of emotion after that stoppage? I Meant love it. Meant a lot it. to her, bro. Meant a lot uh, to her. You can tell. This was and not. Dude, I, you know what? Shake she the shoulders. Didn't show it. She didn't show it, but she was feeling the pressure. She yeah. was feeling the pressure big time. I mean, look, a lot of people were picking against her. I did too, Luke. I'm sure she had to deal with all those inner inner demons of doubt. But you saw, I mean, she's crying afterwards. She threw the mouthpiece. This was not, I expected it against Molly McCann, right? This was, I had to go in there and earn that shit. And boy, did she. Shout out over there. Uh, let's keep it going, Luke. Uh, Denver Nuggets guard Jamal Murray taking in the show there at the Apex and rocking a Izzy Adesonia t-shirt. Your thoughts? That's awesome. I didn't know he was, I didn't miss that part. I missed the show live, so I just caught the fights after, but that's cool, man. That's super cool. Yeah, I'm I'm into what, you know, when these athletes are cool dudes and they're showing up, I like that, Luke. Do you, you know that dude on the Raiders, Max Crosby with two X's? That guy's at it like every UFC show. Uh, also, BC, who's a big time boxing fan, like a real deal boxing fan? Dame Lillard. Oh, yeah, Dame time. Yeah, big time, big time in that regard. All right, let's go to Felipe Lins. He only needed 49 seconds to improve your standing in the OK bet race. Also sending former title challenger OSP to the dark depths. Look at this. The problem wasn't that he lost or that Felipe Lins is a bad fighter. He's a good fighter. It's just he just looked like it didn't take much for him. You know what I mean? Didn't this KO look like Verdum versus uh, Stipe? So a little bit, but the problem was if you recall that fight, and one of the reasons why, like, that's one of the all-time, like, what, dude, Verdum is capable of, like, extraordinary brilliance, and then at times, like, complete dumbassery, and you're like, dude, what are you doing? You're, you're so much better than this. Yeah. He actually, yeah. it's one thing to, like, cage cut, right, where I'm going to follow you and not let you go, but he didn't do that. Stipe was along the fence line, right, like this. Verdum just met him and then followed him along the fence line, just chased into him so peep this uh, i almost called him pipe stipe just popped him on the way in and he fell yeah. face first remember that uncle uncle pipe and shout out yeah hey submission of the night from the ufc did you uncle see Pipe's maria in Brazil. maria bueno silva knee barring lena landsberg did you say pepe's in brazil he's in brazil yeah oh god this guy just just <laughs> populating Dude, the earth one country did I tell at a time you he taught himself portuguese He's a badass. Luke, can you comment on this Maria Bueno Silva knee bar? Yeah, this was great. She this. went for it underneath, and you could tell that Landsberg was just either doesn't know much about leg locking, which is probably not true. She probably knows a fair amount, but simply wasn't in the right frame of mind. She didn't. Um, you have to cross your legs at, the, at a certain point underneath before that turn really happens. 
and she didn't. And then after that, she wasn't really hand fighting either. There was just a lot. You could see she's just not really doing very effectively. And um, it's a nice knee bar from from uh, Bueno Silva for sure. All right, Knuckle Mania three took us to Albuquerque. Here's Greg Hardy, the early knockdown against Josh Watson. This is of course Hardy's BKFC debut. Good, nice left hook. Yeah, this you know what this this white dude who's got tattoos in all the right places. He uh he's got some good timing. He's got some good timing. This guy. And here's the knockout finish, Luke. Shortly after that, in round one, damn. I just don't understand what Greg Hardy was thinking in this one. He just jumped in and uh, and paid for it. Yeah, there's the replay, of course, of the first knockdown, and then you can see the finish. What are your thoughts on Josh Watson's celebration with the double fist out, Luke? Is that a a reference to something in uh, what is this? Oh, like he froze up, like. Oh. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. Like, is All he right. doing the? Is he making fun of him? Look at this left hook. Bah! This is the ringside replay. And, yeah, show uh, that one again. Show that ringside replay again one more time. Look at how Greg Hardy just leaps into range without much of a setup. So the guy just ro- uh, rolls under it, and then, uh, and actually, the right hand was going to land if the left hand didn't anyway. It's a nice punch. This dude can box a little bit, yeah. man. It's all right. Josh Watson getting a big win there. Hey, let's yeah, go over to Lorenzo punch. Hunt, Luke. This was wild. So this is the first round light heavyweight title unification. You're going to see Hunt go down, but watch yeah, what Mike happens. The Marine after Richmond. Richmond. Uh, he looks hurt here, but he took his time. Took his time. He looks a little wobbled. Look, he's his a arms badass. on the ropes. That's a no-no, but he, well, he made it. Lorenzo Hunt's a bad dude, man. Oh. Good night. <laughs> yep. Uh, man. We found a winner. No need wow. to call. No more. That's it. That's it. That is brilliant stuff there in the main event. Shout out to the bare knuckle folks. One more from BKFC on the undercard. Here's Carissa Sagala realigning her own injured ankle after getting knocked down by Jamie Hinshaw. Luke, this is what we call gnarly AF. Okay, as a guy who has had multiple, multiple right ankle issues. Oh, oh dude. Dude. Oh, my God, dude. Oh, my God. I hadn't seen that. She would lose by first-round stoppage because of the leg injury, but her willingness to put that back together and just keep fighting like that. Dude, are you shitting me? What the fuck? This lady is a what? I would give her a hashtag holy hammer if we still put that thing out in the ethos, Luke. Dude, this this lady definitely did. Well, we'll if she hasn't already, we'll do childbirth without, uh, without pain meds. Yeah, probably, probably. That um, is, dude, that is fucking insane that she did that. Let's go to Thursday's weigh-in. Here's Diego Sanchez and Austin Trout trash-talking after the face-off here. Let's check this out. Austin Trout and Diego Sanchez. Luke, I'm not sure if you heard that all. 
I mean, but Diego, I mean, Diego said he would get Austin the sledge. Trout fought Canelo. I mean, yeah. Well, they they serve the same God from what I've researched, but he said, you know, your God's not going to save you. You'll get the sledge, meaning the sledgehammer. And uh, yeah, it turns out it didn't go that way, Luke. Here's the footage of the stoppage as Austin Trout bloodied. E uh, Carnal. Drop Diego Sanchez right there. Ref had finally seen enough in round four, but nice knockdown here. Bro, they're throwing chantes on the hodasos. Ho, ho, uh, could you translate that for me, Luke? I don't know. I've been, I've been following up on like Albuquerque slang. It's the weirdest fucking slang on earth. Sometimes yeah. they go to Savin Ilavin to go get to go get uh, to go Sabin get drinks Ilavin. or whatever. Savin Ilavin. Sabado, and they Gigante, call each other Luke. Hoyo. It's fucking weird, man. And they all say yeah. E. E. I, I mean, New Mexico is a weird state, Luke. I've never been there. Have you? Yes. Dude, I, dude, my family, my dad's family left Oklahoma because why would you stay in Oklahoma? But they moved to New Mexico. They all live there. I've got like ton. Dude, they live in Roswell. My family lives in Roswell, New Mexico. All right. Uh, hey, if we have any uh, <clears throat> New Mexican donks, uh, reach out to us. Let us know. I've, I mean, I've heard we've got people in the Falkland Islands, Luke. We've got people up there and none of it. Let's see if have we got you, anybody. Have you New never Mexico. had like a uh, serious question? You've never had like the New Mexico green chilies? I have never had them. <sighs> okay. So they all talk about them. They're like, they're the, the greatest thing since sliced bread. They're right. It's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Wow. It's amazing. And they put it on all their food and it's, Really, really good. They just talk like weirdos. E carnal. Okay. Okay. All right. Hey, John Jones had a busy couple days. Luke, here is him inside the building at BKFC Albuquerque. Sweet. Yeah. He's back. I don't care. All right. Definitely don't care. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. <laughs> I <laughs> Any, you All right. All right. We'll leave it at that, Luke. Okay. Uh, John also <clears throat> is on a bit of a redemption tour ahead of his March is he? Is that what he's 4th on? return. Uh, he sent a series of tweets at Daniel Cormier, including this one, basically saying all of it is behind us. If you want to interview me after my win against Cyril Gaon, you can, Luke. DC, you are more than welcome to commentate at my fight. I think you are really good at what you do. I trust you would be non-biased. All the best, brother. That got 5 million views, that that tweet. What would happen if he sent the same tweet to you, Luke, to put the 214 debacle finally behind you guys? I don't have any interest in talking to him whatsoever. Like, it doesn't mean... It's sort of being weird. It's like, it's like hey, he's a, a, you know, a person okay. you don't care about in that way wants to talk. You'd be like, okay, great. Like, what is that supposed? What is that supposed to mean? It doesn't mean anything. So, my dream is that you and I go to Jersey City and and we we interview Ioana and and Johnny Bones back to back, and we put all of our grievances behind us, Luke. I don't have. I don't. I don't live every day worrying about it. Like like some of y'all seem to be going about your days worrying about it. Yeah, I just live my day normally. Um, all right. You know, I'm not going to take anything from him. He's a tremendous fighter. He might become number one pound for pound in a couple of weeks, to be quite honest with you. Like that's very much on the table, but like as a person or as a figure of intrigue, it doesn't exist to me. Blood is on the table. Yeah. I'm with you, Luke. Okay. Hey, uh, remember we met with those fine blokes on MMA on point over yes. there. And, uh, uh, there was Jay, there was, who was that dude behind the scenes that, that is like run, runs the show. You remember that guy? That you guy see, I don't even know the names of people who work on our show. Much All right. Less well, the other guy was Alex, who they call Bailey and big fan of that guy, Luke. Remember he told us that he, that he 
trains with Brad Pickett over there at that MMA gym? I think that's right, yeah. Here's a video of good old uh, Bhagavan Balian here uh, working the pads. Your thoughts? Bhagavan. Bhagavan Gita. So that's that's Alex on the right with the black gloves, Luke. But good old Balian. Uh, what do you think about his form? Can you yeah. rate that form? Looks like he trains. All right. You know, wouldn't call him, wouldn't call him uh, you know, not like Floyd Mayweather on the bag or anything, but... Uh... What do you think about an MMA media championship fight, him against Oscar Willis? Are they in the same weight class? I don't think they are. I think he's bigger than Oscar. Okay. But, you know, Oscar Willis is crazy. That's the difference. Dude, all of these questions are the wrong ones. RJ Clifford is, I think, a black belt in jiu-jitsu and fought in strike force and is a Sirius XM radio host. He would fuck up everybody. Okay. It's like not even so a would, contest. So would UFC broadcaster Daniel Cormier, Luke, but maybe not after putting on that referee shirt. And, you I know. mean, are we fat shaming DC again? Is I that didn't what we're go doing? there. I didn't go there. You opened the door again. You know, DC is actually my favorite interview. I love that guy. I don't want a BC-DC rivalry. I love Daniel Cormier, okay? But you also love making fun of his weight gain. I mean, it's your favorite thing to do. I actually, last night on YouTube, Luke, I was sitting in the eighth row. I watched his uh, NCAA championship bout against Kale. uh Kale, uh, what's his name? Yeah. Sanderson. Kale's, Kale's dude, tough to beat. Dude, Cormier was thin back then, man. Yeah, he was a smaller dude for that sure. That was like 185, but... I think, right? 184? Uh, right? Or 197. I'd have to double check. But uh, yes, he was certainly, obviously, you know, much smaller. All right. Hey, regional MMA KO of the week time. Luke, let's go over to LFA. What do you think about this? Jesus. Yep. I think he slept him. I think that's what happened. Dude, he knocked his mouthpiece into another dimension. Yikes. All right. That is just fantastic. Um, I'm told this is... Uh, wait, what? We're told something here, Luke. From Luke this and This is Gaff. Brian Battle in his first amateur fight from a few years ago getting KO'd. Is that really okay. him? Yeah, I guess. All right. All right. I thought it was recent. Apparently, I'm way off. Shout out. Shout out to our uh, our team right there. Uh, let's go over to Muay Thai Grand Prix. You a big fan of that? Sure. Okay. Oh, well, this is an old one too. Yeah, we talked about this one already. This is you, you're you're oh you're recycling a little bit here. BC. Are you sure I'm recycling, Luke? They look a lot of these. Look dude, alike. we talked about how vicious this was. It's one of the right. best KOs I've ever seen in kickboxing. So, you know, Axe kick to right hand to to right hand uppercut to left hand. I mean, just. We got a lot of great people that send in these videos on the regular, Luke, but the problem is a lot of them send duplicates, and I'm like, nope, I already used that on, like, episode eight. All right, you got to remember, um, but uh, I'm sorry about that. Here, I don't think we've shown this one before. This is at WKG. Here's Zia Lingyang, and this is what they call a late stoppage, Luke. Good Lord. Yeah, so this is, I guess, the uh, wherever this took is the equivalent of, you ever seen Phil Baroni, Dave Manet? Yep, I've also so, seen um, Ray Mercer versus Tommy Morrison, and this looks a lot like that. Yeah, yeah, dude. If you've never seen Phil Baroni, Dave Manet, Manet is spelled M E N N E. Phil Baroni is literally punching him straight down the middle. Manet is out. The instant the referee intervenes, Manet falls. Right. So what it tells you is literally Baroni was punching him so hard that he was levitating him. He was keeping him up by pressing him back into the fence Yikes. with the punches. It was one of the scariest knockouts I've ever seen. Yeah, that's that's gnarly right there. Damn. All right, Luke, it's time to examine future Hall of Famer Frankie Edgar's stand-up game. You ready? Yeah. Seven years ago, this is arguably the best moment in Edgar's stand-up history. Remember this win over Chad Mendes? 
Brilliant left hook. Polished him off. Nice shot. Just got a title quick, shot off this, right? Quick, powerful, amazing. Yeah, he got himself back in there to face Aldo again, right? Or am I wrong on that? For, He's had a lot of titles. Yeah. He's a legend. Well, how about this stand-up game, Luke? Let's get your thoughts. You know, I have more time in the octagon than anybody in the history of the UFC. I've been punched, kicked, and beaten down more than Will Smith's been beaten by Jada. Listen, if punches were dicks, my face would look like Paige Van Zandt's inbox. All right, the first one was lame. The second one was all right. I can hear myself. Uh, that was... Um, Second one got me. That was surprising. Right. That was Isn't surprising. Frankie's grandma and my and Mikey's grandma like best friends or something? Some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, we love Frankie, but um, I mean, maybe he can get a podcast on the uh, on the Thick Network, Luke. You never know. But let's go to the Creed Three we'll do, movie. Are we doing premiere. skits and bits today? I'm noticing a lot of skits and bits from One BC from C. Well, because because Eric Nixick sent a picture of his hog and sent it. Oh, I thought that was funny, Luke. Okay, all right. It was it was a continuation of our UK bit. I don't really know where you're going. Hey, Creed Three coming out in March. Can't wait. You know who else can't wait for it? Mm. Pro boxers Lawrence Acoli and Richard Reakpour, who threw down outside the theater. At the premiere. Once again, young men of the world, it is not hard to not get in a fist fight at a random establishment out in town. It's actually relatively easily. Yeah. All you have to do is not fist fight. Sir, this is a Baskin Robbins here at the movie theater. Can you please? Uh, yeah. Also, I think this is one of those high end movie theaters, if I'm not mistaken. They did well, just it's a premiere in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. Yeah, it's an actual premiere. I believe this is in the UK, right? Yeah. Fellas, not hard to not do this. Don't. All right. Hey, great moments in wedding history. All right? Let's watch a few of these. Me seeing everyone's vow. <laughs> I mean, what would you do if the uh, officiant just 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 lost her breakfast, right? Uh, right on your shoes there. Dude, this is why, day. BC, did you have like a big wedding? Did you have a big wedding? Uh, the the venue only host a whole held two fifty, so it was really hard cutting that. Or maybe it was oh, one fifty. You had a huge wedding. That's a big what, dude? We had fifty. No, I'm sorry, it was one fifty. It was one fifty, so it was okay. really hard keeping the. I have a big family. Look, it was really hard keeping that down. So yeah. so we had. Oh, dude, my wife doesn't have a huge family. I mean, my wife's got one of the biggest families in the fucking world. But we uh, what we did was we had to pay for it ourselves. And dude, DC, as you well yeah. know, is not cheap. So we had to keep it limited. Dude, have a limited wedding because what these people want to do is. They want to have a fairy tale day, right? Where it's the most extravagant. I'm going to be a queen for a day. And if anything goes wrong, it ruins the day. Well, don't have a day where you just have everything has to be perfect. And you're asking your amateur friends or whatever to marry you. Yeah. Shit's going to go south, bro. Just keep it light. Keep it chill. No, you're not wrong on that, by the way. You you realize the day after your own wedding and the craziness that 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 was actually not for you. It was for everyone else, you know, yeah. and, and that's cool. You invited them to come enjoy your moment, but it's, it's more about everybody else than you. Yeah. Um, Luke, let's go to the, you ever have a, a drunk uncle at a reception, like grab the microphone and start telling inappropriate stories about the grooms, like sex past. And you're like, dude, this is not the stage for it. Right. Uh, I've seen it on beer commercials and movies. Nowhere else. Yeah. This happened at this wedding. Check it out. Check it out, Luke. Ooh, Ooh, who's that? The DJ? Uh, the guy on the right. He just, you know, he just ran up. Start. Oh boy. Oh, 
Now yeah. slap fighting is great. Yep, there it is. Yeah, wow. It picks him up by his dumbass shirt, too. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, the other guy struck first, man. And by the way, based on the language here, God knows where that was. You know, someplace with a Cyrillic alphabet, I guess. One more time. One more time. Play this bitch. He wants it again. Yeah, see, he kind of delicately touches him. He's like, ah, see, I showed you a guy who can barely move and who probably has to, you know, have a... Oh, look yeah. at the Well, he didn't get like, dressed up for the wedding either, Luke. So maybe this is part of it. Maybe this is part of the... Uh... Yeah, Don't disrespect again, my family, you know? By the way, that kid in the background is just going to grow up in the most toxic environment ever, but okay. Let's All right. Hey, tell me if we've played this before. I don't know if we have, but it got me fired up. Watch how hyped up this ball coach is after this score. <laughs> I think we have, but I like this. Yeah. Chubb Rock was like, yeah, let's celebrate here. Let's. Uh, you may have hurt your player. He, I think he's out. All right, let's keep it going here. Uh, Luke, a lot of fighters like to cross over into the rap game. We've seen Deontay Wilder have a music video recently. Remember, people forget that Floyd back in the day had his own had his own record company. He was putting out tracks. Well, have you ever been introduced to the Gwot, Clarissa Shields, the multi-division undisputed oh, I champion? I saw this one. She's got a new single out. Let's hear a part of it. Uh, Bro, shit, shit, make my ass itch. Pootie Tang. Yeah, I could get into that that track, Luke. You into it? No. <laughs> no, I like Clarissa Shields, but somebody should have warned her about that one. Broke shit, I make my ass itch. Is the idea there where, like, if you take a gross dump and it broke? Oh, God, come on. And then You're you don't clean, it makes your butt itch, you know? Like, you know how, like, a dog's never wiped their rear end, but it just stays clean? Is that what, I mean, I don't I don't really know what's happening here. Did she say gross shit or quote shit? I don't, I didn't, I didn't hear it. It went by quick. Yeah. All I heard was broke shit make my ass itch. You see, there's lots of things that make my ass shit. People being poor is not one of them. Okay. All right, Luke. Uh, hey, Jalen Rose, you know that NBA legend, right? Broadcaster. Used to be married uh, to Molly yeah, Karam. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he's got a take on haircuts that you might agree with, apparently. The minimum you're supposed to be spending for a quality barber is $100. So many guys and people out there think y'all are going to show up and get a fly haircut. <laughs> <laughs> finally, $35. Luke. $35. Finally, somebody gets you. He, he, you're speaking uh, his language. All well, right? first of all, I've, I have, I mean, you guys have just absolutely haircut shamed me, so I've had to go to a cheaper place now. I spent about 50 bucks. I spent about half. Um, so look, look for 26, I get the, the wash, the massage, the, yeah, hot but your towel, haircut the looks pump. like a barber student just experimented on you. I mean, you're not a shiny example of a great haircut. Well, maybe yeah, not right exactly. now, but yeah, yeah. All right. I think in but general, I will, I will say, I will say like, obviously if you live in Topeka, Kansas, do they even have anyone there who cuts hair for a hundred dollars? Probably doesn't even exist. No, it's not relevant. But I will say this, BC, I will say this. If you had Jalen Rose's money and you were on TV, you'd be getting $100 haircuts, bitch. I, dude, my, my dream, because haircuts are they're magical moments in the mundane life of an adult male. Meaning, Luke, I mean, I, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a notorious or vain enough to be staring in the mirror. But if you're walking by a mirror and you've just gotten a haircut recently, you know, you, 
you perk up, Luke. You start to feel young again. You know what I mean? Like you just, it changes a man. I'm the type of guy that would be, I'd spare no expense if I made good money and had a barber on part of my traveling team. Okay. Yeah. If I had Jalen Rose money, I'd have a barber as a traveling team. I'd have my tattoo guy as a traveling team. As wow. Well. How about yeah. we'll get Maniche's guy, Neon Dion from Jersey City. That would be my guy on the road. All right. He'd live with me. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Mikey, yeah. Mikey would hire a joint roller, he says. On the travel team. I bet you yeah. would. Yeah. I bet you would, Mikey. Mikey's like, could you get CTE from THC? I'm willing to find out. You know, yeah, what he's I'm like, I'm to- trying. I'm trying. I'm really I'm putting in I'm putting in a yeoman's effort there. Uh, Luke, it's time to play everyone's favorite game. Rate that tat. Are you ready, Luke? Let's do it. All right. Uh, Thug Rose on the arm time. You know, this is arguably my favorite fighter, but is this your favorite tattoo, Luke? Uh, so the guy who does this, I forget his name. He does all tattoos in this style where he'll get a famous figure and then tattoo like graffiti on their face. Yeah. Um, that's an excellent tattoo. That's a. I don't. I don't very, like it at all, good. to be fair, Luke. It's kind of. Okay. Okay. So from the artistic perspective, you don't like it, correct? Well, I don't know if I get it. What is that black stuff coming out of her mouth? It looks like that Pee Wee's. Remember that Pee Wee's adventure movie when he made the fat guy chew the the trick gum? Yeah, I mean, part of it is part of it is it's going to dry up and lighten up a little bit later. The other thing I'd say is it just looks like it's partly like you know purple from bruising from the from the um, from the actual bruising on her on this person's arm. Yeah. so you know, let, yeah, you, you can't. It, it always new tattoos always look a little pink and purplish. You have to wait a little bit. All right, can we go to the Dan Hooker one now? This was a late ad. Thank you, Gaff. Can you insert Dan Hooker's new tattoo? I want to get Ooh, your thoughts. We got this. two pictures here. We're gonna zoom in this time. Here we go. So that's also brand new, and it's a little purple. Now, would um, you would you shame him if you found out he was administered an IV in order to get this? No, because I okay. I wouldn't care. Uh, it looks to me like it's unfinished. It looks to me like this is the beginning of a piece. I would say it's good. Uh, I wouldn't call it great, but it's good. Okay. okay. Um, but it's unfinished. So let's see what it looks like when it's done. Is it better or worse than Alexander Volkov? <sighs> I don't have that front of mind. Um, I think his is better, but I'm not sure. Okay. Hey, let's go to Neiman Gracie, the former Bellator uh, welterweight title challenger, still a contender in that game, Luke. He got his left forearm done. I want to get your thoughts. Okay. Looks like you, oh, that's an intricate piece. Getting a lion, that's what every athlete does. You know, this is from, uh, this is how the sausage gets made here with the tracing, right? With that. Is that so how the, it's always done, Luke? That purple yeah, on this, there? I mean, like some, guys, some guys will freehand it completely. Most people use a stencil. That's what you're talking about there. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of looks like our camera guy Tristan's arm to a certain degree, although he's got more rabbit animals on there. Like, Yeah, I don't love it. Um, I don't love it. It's a okay. little... It's Artistically, it's not my favorite. And um, from an application standpoint, like, so look at the lioness. Like, there's no... The edging is the white spacing between her head and the rest of the lion, which I'm not really a fan of um, from an artistic style. Okay. It doesn't create enough separation between characters. So so are you putting this in the he-boss bin or what? No, it's better than that. It's better than right. that. Um, but it's not It's not my favorite. 
Also, well, athletes, stop getting clouds, heavens, lions, or pocket watches on you because every other athlete is doing that. That's true. Hey, bikini season is almost upon us. So check out this back tat, Luke. I want to get your thoughts here on this beautiful lady. Well, first of all, she's a 10 out of 10. Let's just let's just start the conversation where it starts. <laughs> um, I mean, you were a big fan of tatted ass cheeks, so that's why we presented this. Yeah, this is this is uh this is up your boy's alley right here. This is, yeah, but this that's is... just because of the of the canvas, not the work, you know? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't get that tattoo. Are you asking me, is it a good tattoo? It's well applied. I don't know if artistically that's... Again, though, like people get these for themselves. They're not getting it for you. Well, so what you're really asking you get... is, is it applied well and is it artistically coherent? I disagree. If you're getting a tattoo, and this is my personal opinion, you know my opinion on tattoos largely sucks because I'm not in the game. But if I feel like if you're getting a tattoo any place you can't see it on your back, on your ass cheeks, whatever, you're not getting it for you. You're getting it for others to either be awed or to to I be disagree. impressed with. There can or... be there can be all kinds of reasons why you would want to get your back tattooed, like um, where I can't see. I have, um, I have. No, that's not quite true for me. But um, to get the piece done correctly, there's all kinds of symbolism and meaning historically within the, tra the tattoo traditions themselves. That's especially true of Japanese, but not alone. Polynesian tattoos are like this as well, or Pacific Islanders, I should say. So that's not exactly true that it's, it's strictly for you. This one, or, or sorry, uh, if you can't see it, it's for someone else. But I mean, it's just, it's a weird thing to argue, BC. Like, I, I carry these wherever I go, whether I have short sleeve or long sleeve. It can't be true that when I walk into a Walmart, whether these are visible or not to anyone else, it's for these people around me. It's not for them. It's for me. You can okay. like it or you can not like it. That's up to you. But I didn't get it for... I like the way it looks on me, but I didn't get it for that, for you. You like you know? what it says about you. Yeah. I like what it says on me, not, not right, what it well, says about me. Tattooing has its traditions, but so does weightlifting, Luke. And true legends like Ronnie Coleman have consistently showed us that you can protect <clears throat> your hands and still be a weightlifting legend. Let's induct yeah, another person You guys person are going to die that. on this hill, but you're going to die. It's okay. Well, I'm going to die one day, Luke, but I want to induct somebody else into the weightlifting Hall of Fame who will have He's not a uncalloused, uncalloused He's not a hands. His name, Quentin Rampage Jackson. Luke. Okay? <laughs> I haven't seen this. He's got 25s on each side. What the fuck is he doing? He's lifting. He's he's becoming a better person and a better man. And the gloves are helping him get there. So I salute him. Dude, this is not a lot of weight for him to be struggling that much. And these are partial reps, too. I mean, you know, are you, what are you going to try to DC shame him here, Luke? Is that well, what dude, you're this to do? is fifty. So that's a hundred pounds a side, right? Because you got or how many? How many twenty fives on each side? I can't. One, two. One, two. What is he doing? Just yeah, he's got three. So this is seventy five a side, dude. That is nothing. Okay, you tell him that. All right, I'm fine with the gloves. I'm okay with this. All right. Also, I didn't based love the on this, fight. based on the positioning, it looks like this is an incline press. Um, yeah, this, this is all kinds of. All right, hey, let's go to the boxing great. recap from the weekend, Luke. This was Showbox from Topeka, our opening bout. Junior welterweights. This is Kurt Scooby on the right. He would drop John Manu of Australia four times en route to a TKO2. But the cool story here is that Scooby was a star high school running back. He walked on at Fresno State. He ended up being a star at D3 Azusa Pacific. 
big time running back, weighed 215 pounds. Yeah. Now he's down to 140 and he's an unbeaten boxer. This was a hell of a performance run. Showbox always gets the main card guys to always take a picture after the weigh-ins together, or they usually do anyway. And they did here. And BC, I was gonna say something of all the guys, like, cause they're all, you know, they're all just like making a fist or whatever. He pops out on that screen because everyone is like in good shape, but they're all slender. When you told me he was a high school running back or whatever, or previous running back, you can tell he looks like a million dollars, so to speak, yeah. getting off the bus, man. He is he is jacked. He had a, a very, very rough childhood that he's persevered through. He's very impressive in terms of interviewing him, has you know, believes that his career is gonna influence and 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 inspire a lot of people. But it's early, he's still kind of raw, but this was a hell of a strong performance here. Somebody to watch if he can get another opportunity here on Showbox in the future. Let's go to the zone from Nottingham. Here's on the undercard. Dalton Smith would only get a warning for this of what he did to Billy Allington. Look at this, Luke. <laughs> Dude, there's a thing called shoot boxing, which is kickboxing with takedowns. It's where uh, obviously San Chao is pretty similar. They do it's, it's kind of a, the same kind of thing where it's just wrestling with or, or I should say takedowns with with striking. It's a great sport. I can't believe it's not more popular. It's fucking awesome. Uh, yeah, we've seen this before. Remember when Chad Dawson dumped Bernard Hopkins on his shoulder and yeah. then they had to call off the fight? That was weird. But yeah, this was weird too. Hey, let's go to Mauricio Lara on this main event. We talked about it. Uh, against Lee Wood down on the scorecards. Here's that left hook from from hell. Just a beautiful shot that that forced the knockdown in round seven. <sighs> Come on. Look at this. And see, he gets up and he's kind of like, eh. He is wobbly. This does support the stoppage more And when you're watching the video here, but here comes the towel. Watch out. I mean, Laura was ready to go in there and murder him. Let's be honest, dude. Laura had that thing cocked back and ready to go. Although, to your point with the BKFC thing, with Mike Richmond getting slept, you know, one never knows. One never knows. One never knows. That's the reality. We just don't know what would have happened. But they definitely have a strong argument for saving well, him from a terrible, terrible KO. Well, Laura's now the featherweight champion. If you remember, he he's from Mexico, but he made his name upsetting and stopping Josh Warrington. They had an immediate rematch, which was a, uh, I believe, a no contest, Luke, from an accidental foul. So right after the victory, here's what Mauricio Lara did. Went over to the ropes where Josh Warrington was and spit right on him. Your thoughts? Oh, that is so low class. <laughs> that is so low class. Oh, wow. Love it. Love it. Dude, that's some dirtbag shit. That's that. Well, who knows what was said between them? They definitely have a rivalry. A lot of people would love to see, yeah. uh, I guess, a third fight, but kind of technically a rematch in some ways. Uh, also, DAZN over the weekend, Luke, we got to shout this out. We'd be remiss if we didn't. Pomona, California, and in the main event, former Bantamweight world champion Luis Neri trying to put his career back on track at 122. This was against Armenian Azad Hovenason. Luke, they put on what people are calling a fight of the year contender. I we rewatched it, dude. It was mayhem. Yeah, I saw parts of it too. It was nuts. I did not expect anything out of this, and it over delivered dramatically. Well, they they would just just really throw bombs at each other the whole fight, exactly like this. Let's fast forward to round eleven. Neri would drop him once more. But Hovenation would be saved by the bell, and they would actually go to the 12th. I'm sorry, they'd go to the 11th where the final stoppage would happen. Here's the end of round 10, though. It looked like he was done, Luke, but your boy got up. Armenians are tough, bro. They are very, very tough people. He would survive yeah, he that. Neary, he, the, yeah. 
Yeah, Neri would get the stoppage in the 12th. A big win for Luis Neri, but uh, what a war. Worth everybody's time if you want to check it out. And here is promoter Oscar De La Hoya, ringside Luke, fake abs and all, just losing his shit during the main event. How often is he, does he pull his shirt up to show his abs? Oh, yeah. I was waiting for it. It didn't happen. Dude, though, but... every post he puts on social these days is just his abs for no reason. I mean, he just turned 50, Luke. He's got a beautiful wife. He's showing off a bit, you know? He's happy. Yeah, I'm glad he's happy. I'm glad he's happy. Do you know he was um, 1992 Olympic roommate of Raul Marquez in Barcelona? You know Raul yeah. from Showbox, right? Barcelona. Yeah, they were they were uh, they were they were roommates there on that trip, and you know Raul said even though he's also 50, Luke, he'd fight Oscar tomorrow if somebody put the money up. Okay, let's get that let's get that fight made. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. A couple more on the way out here, Luke. The Eagles did not win the Super Bowl, but before the game even started, their fans were going nuts. You into flipping cars? Yeah, I mean, Philly fans are really just absolute degenerates. Let's just be honest about that. I mean, they're just the worst of the worst. Look at these fucking hooligans. All right, there you go. Where are the parents, really, is what you got to yep. ask about these about these white folks. Look at them. They're almost high the enough truth, to hang The truth the is, 20 line. years ago, BC, I'd be on top of that car. I mean, that's just the You're reality. You're damn right a, you would. What a okay, hypocritical probably, piece of shit I am. Yeah, probably for like the Capitals winning like a first-round NHL Stanley Cup series. You would have just... Not just, even. You just, just wanted to rage against yeah, any machine. Exactly. Yeah. I wouldn't even need a good reason. Just fucking do it. I remember All one right. time, dude, we went drunk. We went drunkenly rampaging through Charlottesville, Virginia. You ever been to Charlottesville, Virginia? Is that... Uh, what college is there? There's a UVA. UVA is there. Oh, UVA. Okay. No, uh, I've never been there. It's it's just it's spectacular. The campus is one of the best. It's one of those beautiful campuses in all of higher education. Charlottesville's a cool town. Like it's a good good place to party, but it's just a lot of like you know, dudes with pop collars and polos. And would you yeah, rather just, live in Charlottesville or Blacksburg? Blacksburg, where Virginia Tech is. Yeah, I'll take Charlottesville yeah. ten times out of ten over Blacksburg. Is Fuck that because that of that thing on the side of Frank Beamer's face, or no? Uh, I don't know how much that takes up time and traffic but you neither here nor there uh <laughs> and I, we went rampaging through the night and you know did you have lifting was, gloves was, on or is that a different kind of rampaging yeah all right Luke. Kind. Hold, on, hold on and the next morning we woke up uh, in one of our friends houses and a buddy of mine had a stack of clothes that were covered in like those thin clear sheets that you would get from the dry cleaners and i was like dude where did you get these fucking clothes and he was like, yeah, I just went through flipping car handles when you passed out up and down the block. And I got into this one person's car and I stole all their dry cleaning. And so he just had this motherfucker's dry cleaning. And so, yeah, um, I, you know, I, I don't support that kind of debauchery that you were into, like, you know, knocking dudes out wearing wife beaters, you know, as a on the sidewalk in D.C. And, you know, like you were I wasn't just, playing the knockout game, although I would there have been times I've been tempted. Uh, Luke, two more to close here. Uh, I've got a liver issue, which means I should not be eating hot dogs or hiding them. But my kids know if you get into my car, there's a good chance there'll be cookies in the uh, in the in the in the area in the middle. You know that that thing that lifts up. You know I sometimes yeah, hide like snacks the, like in there. The, yeah, yeah. Check out this idea though that this person had in the car. This is next level. I should get into this little hidden security case. Why would you put a hot dog in there? Because I'm not supposed to have it, Luke. Okay. You know, sometimes you just need it, right? Dude, some of these places to eat, it's the saddest shit I've ever seen. All I know is I need one of those headrests now, okay? You can put deltas in there. You can put wieners. You don't need the headrest. You just need the nitrates. True, true to that. All right, finally, Luke, uh, 
What's that saying? Uh, it's like, hold on, run this ad one more time. Run this, I'll say, run this ad one more time. It's like, here we go. Ready? Are you a sad piece of shit that has to hide food throughout the course of your day because you're lonely and or trying to hide food from your significant other who's told yeah. you not to eat this? Are yeah. you a sad piece of shit who lonely eats in his car where yeah. no one else is around while you blast the AC in podcasts? Yeah. Boy, do we have the gear for you. <laughs> I, You know, I'd like to do work with Keith Lee. You know, Kevin Lee's brother from Vegas? Yeah, dude, he's killing it. Dude, he's killing it. I'm really, really like, and he's got a great message. I'm really, I'm really happy to see that. But uh, I'd love to sit in the back seat with him and pull hot dogs out of the headrest and rate him, Luke. I'm into that stuff. Finally, Luke, they say you can F around and find out. You can also flip out, flip someone off and find out. Check out this American. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, buddy. He looks like uh, DJ Qualls in the movie The Bad Guy, or the no, the, the what was that guy? What was that movie called? You know the, you know who I'm talking about, right? This guy, this guy looks like he murdered new guy. a 14 year old guy kid, took all of his clothes, but he's secretly dying of cancer. <laughs> Luke, the movie was The New Guy with DJ Qualls. You may have remember him in Road Trip with Tom Green, and then he got his own Is movie. That the guy and- who was like, who was like, the only role he ever could have played was outrageous nerd. Yes, that guy. Yes, that guy. Yeah. I think that's him today. I think, uh, unfortunately, but uh, enjoyed that. The new guy with Eliza Dushku. You remember that, Luke? That scene. Yeah. In the this was this was basically room. representative of my first few trips to the UK. Not the last one. The last one was great. Yeah. First few though was that was very representative of my experience with the Brits. Just not, not you know, not the most fun. Would you say? Would you say unequivocally that the UK gets me? No. They don't get you at all. I think they do. Um, but they t- I think I'll they say do. this. They definitely tolerate you. They tolerate I mean, it, you. and it was all races, creeds, Luke. I think people just like me in Britain, you know? No, they just tolerate you. All right. Well, that's my shit for the week. Uh, that's all I got. I got to pee really bad. So just, you know, land the plane, Sully. All right, land it. All right. Uh, let's remind them. Oh, the, the sale we have on London gear, right? Morningcombat.store. You can go yeah, get Yeah, everything that. must go. Everything must go. Those GTA shirts, the Grand Theft Auto ones are badass. So are the uh, Union Jack ones, Luke. Okay, get on there. Get on there. Showtime.com is the label that pays. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. Uh, Morningcombat at gmail.com. That's going to be the email to reach the show. That's a fun thing to do. I want to remind folks, BC, Wednesday, you and I are going to be in studio. In studio on Wednesday. And I've got an interview with the head of ADCC, Mo Jassim, who has an interesting thing to say now that they are going to be with UFC Fight Pass, 40-plus events coming your way um, with with ADCC. So huge, huge implications for their future. We we, we talked to him for Morning Combat, so that's going to be headed your way this week as well. Very interesting. I'm into that as well. Luke, do you know one time I used to do a podcast with Rafe Bartholomew called The... uh, state of combat and he had to take a whiz so bad that he peed into a bottle on the air to not disrupt the show if i did that would you kick me out because i thought that was really gross of rafe like that's just gross i mean it's dedication but it's gross you know yeah we don't have to tolerate i mean you know it's i'm I'm glad he's barely housebroken but that's not the kind of thing we want to be focusing on i mean if i did a whole podcast from the throne and you didn't know about it and you found out afterwards you'd be okay with it if i didn't if i couldn't tell yes like, when you're on the road and your wife calls, do you ever take the phone call and not let her know that you're sitting down? No, I always tell her. Okay. okay. Also, my wife only ever FaceTimes, so I have to. Yeah, you are a big public FaceTimer, you know? You are. Uh, well, I, I try to keep it quick, though, because I know it's annoying. 
That's the difference. I don't go, oh, well, no, I'm just going to have a conversation. Well, it's sweet, Luke, especially when Tukes gets on there and she's like, yeah. poppy, poppy. And, you know, I mean, she's the best. She's the best. Yep. I have to go watch her now because we don't, she doesn't have school and there's no daycare. So I got to Happy President's Day to, to Tukes, all right? Happy President's Day. All right. Uh, so be on the lookout for Wednesday's live show. Interviews coming your way and a whole lot more at youtube.com slash morning combat. That's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. For Malka, Showtime, CBS Sports, and everyone else involved, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you in a couple days. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.